You're listening to Podcast with Yoshi Obayashi. Welcome to the new episode. I'm here with Forrest Shaw. Forrest, uh, thanks for doing the show. Um, I don't know. I, I kind of jerked you around last six months. We were supposed to meet up a couple of times, and I wasn't able to do it. So thanks for driving over to Ernie's place today, and you know, you, you're doing me a big favor today. Yeah, this is. I'm, I've been looking forward to it. Plus, this is uh, this is where Al and I used to do our podcast. Yeah, this is like our second home. And so, yeah, I um, um, told me the gate code, and, like I didn't know it. <laughs> I was like, I know it. <clears throat> Did forty episodes from here, at least something like that. I'm I'm, I'm really happy you're here because uh, our good friend Al Jackson, his wife had a baby yesterday. Was it today or yesterday? Monday. Monday. Okay. So two days ago. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure he's. I I texted him and his son is so ecstatic and uh, yeah, uh, two boys. So two boys. Yeah, yeah. And this this boy's almost eleven pounds. Born. Almost. Jesus. Yeah, he's big. He's gonna be so. a football player. Yeah, Which, I mean, yeah, that's what people say, but I don't know if you can extrapolate that the baby's going to be that big just because it's yeah. big when it was born, but maybe. I think they said Larry Allen, the, the offensive lineman. He, I think Al told me he's the same weight that Larry Allen was, the offensive lineman for the Cowboys. Yeah. That got busted with a bunch of pot in his trunk in his car later on. Um, yeah. Because <laughs> Al Jackson, also a, a very funny comedian like yourself, he's from Florida too? He's from Cleveland. Cleveland. But he, he started in Florida because he was a teacher down there. Right. Went to school down there at after, went to school a couple places, but then he ended up there and then was a teacher down there and started comedy down there. Right. Yeah. And and you were you were not a teacher, but you're a scientist down in Florida. Biologist, yeah. Biologist, right. Marine biologist, to be specific. And um, so when you were, I, I think, uh, I think we're going to go back and forth. But, it sounds uh, fake when you say that. Like, Marine biologist, now comedian. It sounds like something you'd make up to pick up girls at a bar. Like, I used to rescue dolphins and manatees, but now <laughs> I tell jokes. Just a lot of passions in my life. And it sounds like a total pickup line. But why, but why did you pick marine biology? Um, I uh, mean, you're, you're down in Miami, so I guess you're I surrounded by water. Yeah, yeah, I grew up in one of the few cities in the United States where you can swim in the ocean all year long. It's warm and it's relatively clean, most of the water. I mean, I know where the areas that aren't clean from right. working there. But, uh, and I, my family was all in the water the boats, sailing, snorkeling, scuba diving, and stuff like that. And sure. so I just was always doing that. And uh, I figured that's what I wanted to do because I was into it. You know, it's just what you're surrounded by. So. Um, and you, you grew up, you were born early 70s. Yeah. And, uh, um, you know, Florida, Florida, especially Miami, have a certain reputation. Um, even as a kid in the 80s, I remember watching Miami Vice. So we all yeah. had this image of Miami. But was it really like that growing up in Miami for yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. You started doing coke when you were in fifth grade. And uh, <laughs> and then you um, started dealing when you were in seventh, usually. That was... <laughs> Very no, <young>. it was... <laughs> there was violence there. But, I mean, I, I think there was... I mean, where, where in Miami? You're in the suburbs, right? I grew up in the city of South Miami, which okay. is like... It's, it's south of downtown. It's a small city. Um, Back then, was it predominantly white or? It was not predominantly, but it was more okay. white. Yeah, but it was more of a small town city. When I grew up, 
it was a it was a big city, but it still had a small time vibe to it. Like you know, you could. Mm-hmm. I remember like where I was allowed to go on my bike was very far, you know, versus where I would be out now, and it just the congestion, the traffic, and the population just exploded. But where most of the violence occurred was Miami Beach or downtown area, you know, and predominantly related to cocaine, drugs, right? Sure, right. Yeah, 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 and. Like if you've ever seen Scarface, you know yeah. that scene with the chainsaw and and they're on ocean. That's they're on ocean. Yeah, yeah Ocean yeah. Drive yeah. there in that scene, like right on the beach and the sure. chain. And everyone looks at them like, oh, that seems a little crazy. But that that's really like what stuff was like that was going on on South Beach because South Beach didn't become the hey uh, destination for celebrities and, and bottle service and all this DJs and stuff like that until. It started in the early 90s, but didn't really pick up till the mid to late 90s. And then right. it, it just exploded. Before that, you wouldn't even go to the beach there. Occasionally, me and my mom would go to the beach, Miami Beach. And I remember her parking the car near the beach, and she was worried it was going to get broken into. That's how crappy the neighborhood was, because it, it was just run down. Yeah. Tradition in that area, uh, for those of you who are overseas, predominantly retirees living down there because it was very warm. Yeah. And, and I remember um, it was so odd. I think you're right. Like in early to mid '90s, you started seeing rich Europeans buying properties down there because when Slowly, it comes, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, well, you, and way way back though, it was it was a, it was a it was an area, a destination area. Right. Like the original Ocean's Eleven movie with uh, who was in that? Was it Dean Martin in that? And Frank Sinatra. Frank Sinatra. Yeah. yeah, that took place in Miami Beach. Because it Miami, was. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure there was yeah. like it was like a casino on Miami Beach or something like that. I didn't know that. Um. But regardless of if I'm wrong on that or not, but I'm pretty sure that that area was a destination area for entertainers and, sure. and people to come. And it was it, that was our height of the Art Deco, like all the structures that still exist today that they kept were there. And then it slowly that kind of started to fade. I don't know what the reasoning for that was, but then a lot of retirees moved in and then the property value went down again. And then it was just like when the cocaine boom happened, there was a lot of things happening out of Miami Beach. A lot of it was downtown Miami too. Like right. the Miami River was a big thing. They had these 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 people called the Miami River cops, which were like these band of cops that would go and rob drug dealers and kill them and then take their drugs. That was like a bit a thing that happened. I remember that trial. I was very young, but you still remember hearing Miami River cops and they'd have like yeah. these bodies that they found on boats and they ended up being that the cops were killing these it, drug it, It's such an awesome yeah. sighting because I've I've done shows in like early two thousand, like mid to late 90s but you you would see odd things like you see rich germans down there living there yeah. and you see a lot of jewish people yeah. living down there too so you was odd to see those two groups like almost like neighbors and some of the old older jewish people survived the holocaust and stuff like that yeah. so i so i remember reading like just odd bizarre world that uh, some of this retiree from germany you know, maybe it has something to do with World War Two and their neighbors to all the Jewish people. Oh, I see. Yeah, it, yeah. It, the Ger- it, it, and then the German tourists started getting killed. That was another thing back in the uh, in the late eighties. That's yeah, right. There were some yeah. of them were driving they were just the rental cars. Yeah, there. because the airport in Miami is in order to get to the spots in Miami, you would go as a tourist. Yeah, you have to go through some bad neighborhoods, but you generally go over a highway. But if yeah. you just got off by accident to Overtown which is an, an area famous where there's been a lot of riots and there's sure. been, it's still a very, very poor area in Miami. And they would just be like, hey, can you help me get to the beach? And yeah, they would just get killed. And, and then that was when they started changing. It used to say rental on the tags. And that was their thing was they changed it from saying rental to just saying Miami, Dade County or Florida. Oh, and on like, the rental cars. Yeah, yeah because yeah. people, they were, they were targeting those cars. But I'm like, yeah, you're still going to, Germans are so odd. 
The other day, I, saw, I was up in San Francisco and at, and at a beach, and there was these three guys, and they hadn't even spoken yet, and they knew they were German, just by the way they dressed and talked. Sure. So I don't think changing just rental is going to help. But anyways, that was, yeah. There, Miami's always been a weird city in Florida in general, but Miami because it's, it's a young city, and so it wasn't, like, established as... I mean, obviously, you have Cuban immigrants that have come there, and that's a, a big part of the community, and sure. Haitians and some of the other South American and Caribbean groups that are that are represented there. But it's still a lot of it, it's still like a party destination and a place where people come and they get drunk or you know high for a week, and they're like, I should buy a condo here. So then there's like Germans, there's mixed in with the retirees, and then there's the Venezuelans, and there's people from Spain over there or France. You know, it's just like and and then you get the, then the influx of uh, a couple different Caribbean countries and it's just a bunch of people that are there and they think they should be there but they're not sure why they're there a lot of times well I remember so, early 90s yeah. I'm sure you remember like Madonna was there and yeah. Versace unfortunately was murdering yeah, Miami that, yeah. and it, it was just like it was such a spectacularly beautiful place with beautiful people yeah and uh, I was like I was shocked by what's I mean I'm sure it's a joke where's the gay, gay section in Miami where all the uh, what's the neighborhood? There was a lot of Art Deco buildings. Where South Beach, I mean. South Beach, that's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. South Beach is where. I mean, like, I, I was. I mean, it was stunned. Like there, it's four beautiful-looking people getting yeah. ready to get discovered or whatnot. But oh yeah, um, no, it's still like that. You go there now. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's it's it it's everything changes slightly and and neighborhoods change slightly. But you still go to Miami Beach and you just walk around or ride a bike around and stuff. You'll just you'll still look around and be like, wow, this is ridiculous. The way the the, the women and the men look too. Everyone's like well, there was an episode of um, Louis yeah. by Louis C.K. He was visiting Miami, Miami yeah. show, I think season two or something. And yeah. But it was really funny to see him, like, you know, just like myself, out of shape guy. Yeah. And the, the whole beach is full of, like, yeah, just perfect. It looks like um, Rio in yeah. Brazil. It really does. People are very vain down there. And people can't, you know, that's it. a lot of people, that's their whole life is just, you know. But, but I noticed there's similarity between Miami and Vegas because they both had some semi-questionable origin why they became so popular. Sure. You yeah. know, for Vegas, it was all the mob money and, and well, I guess mob money, I guess, down in Florida, too, with drugs and stuff like that. Yeah, different mobs. Yeah. But they benefited because they, they both became like tourist destination now, you know. And, yeah. Uh, and, but, it, but, but they do they do lack a sort of identity. And Miami is, is gaining one now. Yeah. I mean, even before I left there, you know, and to move to LA, it was starting to gain more of an identity culturally, and um, not just like, "Hey, we're gonna come here and get fucked up for a week or something." You know, right. it's, it's uh, it there's more of an art scene there. I mean, Art Basel, which is a huge every December, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's like a fixture there now, where they just, you know, that's the whole art world descends to Miami then. And then obviously this um, in the winter too, there's all these different food and wine festivals and art festivals and music festivals and things like that. And, and so there it's, <clears throat> it still has a reputation as a party town now. And it, and it, it really had no identity, but it's starting to gain one. It's just really hard to do that. Once you started off, it's just like, Hey, come down here and eat some pills and drink something. And then, and we got sun, you know, so it's, it's, it takes a long time to, to change that identity. And it's also very corrupt. I like, all the all the all the different nationalities and and ethnicities that are there um, are always jockeying to be in power politically. 
Yeah. So you have. So it's kind of. It's mm-hmm. a little bit of the Chicago thing going. So, so there, you get these really weird, just the strangest stories out of politics. There, the corruptedness yeah. and thing. Because there's so. It's not just like, hey, <clears throat> this guy's running against this guy. It's like this guy is. He's the leader of the Cuban community, you know, right. and he's trying to this and that. And then you have the leaders from the other communities that are. It's just there's. There's a lot of weird corruptedness and just things that you normally wouldn't see. And also a lot of people that are just, you know, it, it, there's a lot of ideas and things brought from other cultures because they just, people immigrate there. And, but it's, yeah. it's, it's predominantly Latin. Sure, Latin. Latin. It's um, huge, yeah. But various Latin. I mean, Cuban's the biggest uh, as far as the population. But, I mean, there's, there's a significant amount of... Uh, uh, any other country, Dominicans, Haitian, Haitian for sure. There's mm-hmm. a place called Little Haiti, it's, and there's, that's a lot of Haitians down there. Um, even Puerto Ricans, but South Americans, even. I mean, Venezuela, Colombia. I mean, there's little sure. pockets of every every country that exists in the Caribbean is there. And yeah. Miami is that uh, gateway to Latin America, really. Yeah, yeah. Jamaica. Yeah, a lot of Jamaicans there too, and Bahamians. You don't even hear about that. There's like I don't know what that is. Bahamas. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Actually, in the in the Coconut Grove, which is right near where I grew up, was part of it was like an old artist community, and the other part, which is um, more predominantly like black community, that was a it was a Bahamian settlement originally. I see. So they have a festival every year called the the Goombe Festival, which is like a Bahamian type thing. It's basically just a street festival where people get drunk, and it's a running theme here in Miami. People people get fucked up in Miami. Because so. you know, I I have friends in grew up in vegas but uh most of them barely ever go to the strip anymore because yeah. so they will tell me other things beside the classic vegas story which is that strip and casino things like that there's other things besides that in vegas so i'm sure, sure growing yeah. up in miami you've heard other people talk about miami but yeah you must know other stuff you know oh, my, yeah. minus the drugs and you know yeah, yeah there's tons of stuff yeah, yeah. So yeah. what was it like? Like, was it good growing up as a kid? I mean, is that a place you want to raise your kid if you had a kid? Now, I. Now it's just, uh, I, uh, maybe when I, you know, you're always nostalgic about whatever area you grew yeah. up in. Because I look back and I'm like, oh, when I grew up, it was X, Y, Z. But I still think it. It there's a lot of really cool things about Miami. But I, again, I'm just. It's all based on what I'm familiar with. And right. My memories of it. So a lot of those things are gone now. You know, a lot of the things that I remember as being young growing up, that I was like, wow, that was really cool. And if I had a kid now, that'd be cool for sure. Are gone. But still in my heart, I would say, oh, yeah, it's a great place. You know, it's like that defensive, your turf versus yeah. this city versus that city thing. I, it, it is, I feel like it is sprawled out a lot more. And there's, and, but there is, some areas. I don't know. I'm not going to have a kid. It's hard for me to say because I don't have a kid. If I had a kid, I'd probably be able to answer that question more. Yeah. If I had an actual, real, biological attachment to something that I cared about more than myself. I mean, <laughs> yeah. as far as crime goes, it doesn't seem as bad as what I remember. Nah. I mean, it's just, if you're going to, if you want to live in a major city, mm-hmm. the, I don't think the crime's any worse than any other city. It might be less than some other cities, right. too. It all depends what neighborhoods you grow, you live in. Like, my friend was visiting here in LA the other day. He goes, I haven't seen a lot of I haven't seen a lot of cops since I've been here in L.A. I'm like, yeah, you're in this part of L.A. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, go to some other parts, and it's like, there's plenty of cops. It's not where, you know, where I'm living, but... Because um, I, I think um, um, 
we have a mutual friend, uh, Bert Kreischer. He's yeah. from Florida. And I think even Tom Segura went to school down there. Or, I think so, yeah. Yeah. And a lot of funny people in Florida. Um, and uh, one of your friend and Bert Kreischer's friend, uh, Billy Corbin, made a movie. Um, uh, drug, what was it? Cocaine drug? Cowboys. That's right. Yeah. And he did one and two. One and two. One Excellent. Was, uh, if you yeah. haven't seen the documentary, shoot it because it's a really comprehensive history of modern Miami. It's great, yeah. And Billy Corbin has all things Miami as far as documentaries go. He's been, he did the 30 for 30 for the University of Miami, too. Yeah. And um, he has a couple other, he has one about the backyard fights. That's like this whole ring of fights that, that's coming out. It's called Dogfight. He, he's like, a big supporter of comedy. And he did one yeah. called Broke, like we were talking broke, before, yeah. and how athletes lose all their money. And yeah. like, it's amazing. It's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. And the one in uh, Miami Hurricanes. Yeah. Uh, what was that one called? The U. Yeah. For those of you who don't follow American college football, I mean, that University of Miami football program, it's unbelievable. And, you know, I'm from Washington. Seattle area, yeah. but I have to say, looking back in the 80s and 90s and early 2000, boy, it, it, it was fun watching that team. They play. changed college football. Yeah. that The program changed college football the way that that it was played, the way that it was recruited, mm-hmm. and the way that um, the, the, the players did. Because before that, it was, I mean, and some people say for the worse, because there was a lot of swagger. That's right. the word people use, or a lot of, you know, like boasting and things like that. But it really, I mean, a lot. It, uh, they also changed like the style of football too to open it up into what it is now and kind of catch up to the NFL and what it was, you know. But yeah, it's it's really interesting. I'm from my. <clears throat> it's interesting because that's like one of the top rated thirty for thirty documentaries on ESPN, and I didn't know that it would be in Miami. I figured it would be because it's like we're all excited about it. But apparently that they just struck a nerve nationally with people that like football in general. Watch that. Yeah. Um, if, if you're not a fan of American football yeah. and if you want to understand a little bit more about Amer- Americans, you should watch anything college and f- pro football. But that documentary was excellent. I, I loved it. I just I yeah. just love everything about it. And one, so one of my favorite things, there was two things that I liked in there that I remember from University of Miami it was Historically, schools like Nebraska and Notre Dame and and uh, Alabama and, and whoever they used to beat schools. Like you look on their record and it'd be like seventy-eight to three and yeah, so forth. Well, Miami had such good teams in the late eighties and early nineties that they were beating. There was a game where they were beating Notre Dame. I think Jimmy Johnson's talking about. It. He was one of the coaches that later coached the Cowboys, of course, and. They're beating Notre Dame with their third stringers in there. They're still scoring touchdowns. Yeah. And it's like, it was the coach for Notre Dame's last game, and it was like 56 7. And they said, This is disrespectful to da 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 Notre Dame. And Jimmy Johnson's like, First of all, I'm putting in my third stringers. What do you want me to do? Stop him. And then there was another guy that said, Yeah, go back and look in your record books. It wasn't disrespectful when you guys were right. Running. And it's just interesting to see those schools get their comeuppance. And then my, one of my favorite <laughs> memories when I was younger was we played the University of Texas, who's another powerhouse in the Cotton Bowl, which was in Texas, too. And our team was can, not- can you Can you stop by? Um, because we do have listeners overseas. Yeah. So when they play the college football from September oh, yeah, at the end of the year, yeah. at the end of the year, all the top teams go to these different bowls, right? Yeah. And like these are different stadiums with different names. Yep. And mm-hmm. uh, who were some of the traditionally best bowls that you could go? Like Rose Bowl is one of the famous The four ones. big ones are yeah. the Rose Bowl, the Orange Bowl, the Sugar Bowl, and the Fiesta Bowl. 
So uh, so Rose Bowl's in L.A. Mm -hmm. Fiesta Bowl's in Phoenix or, or Tucson, maybe. It's, yeah. in, it's in Arizona. Sugar Bowl is in New Orleans. And then uh, the Orange Bowl's in Miami. So, and, 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 and those are the four biggest bowls, and they rotate the national championship between those bowls. And now there's a playoff system and stuff that's going to. Yeah, I don't, I don't, know even, I don't even yet. know how that works. But these four bowls, uh, bowls are uh, important because, for one, it's very prestigious. Yes. And these and any college teams that are playing it, they will receive a huge amount of money. Lots of money. Yeah. Uh, huge money because most of these games are played at the end of the year or beginning of the January yeah. every year. So, uh, you know, college teams fight for it very prestigious yeah and notice that all four uh bowls are in southern region because they want to play football in warmer area at uh, in january yeah. and um uh, but there are like 30 something bowls i think yeah so but these are the, the yeah big big so ones the worse know. the bowl gets it the worse the weather here yes <laughs> there's like one in idaho in january yeah. which is terrible and that you shouldn't even go but so so, so college and pro football in america is the number one sports in this country oh yeah we we, we love football violence here. And I'm just stereotyping, but you you find usually the best talents in the warmer area because they could play football all year round. And uh, yeah, the uh, pockets of talent mm -hmm. for in general, Florida, it, awesome. It, 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 Florida, Texas, California, they they flip flop kind of like usually Florida's the number one yeah source for talent, but Texas huge amount of talent and California specifically Southern California, also Ohio though. Yeah, there's a pocket in a, of Ohio for like the Midwest and colder. A lot of talent comes from there. Those are the four main regions where the talent comes from. Obviously, there's other small areas, but that, those are the states. And three of them are warm, warm weather predominantly. And Ohio is the one of those weird, weird one because I noticed there's a lot of like a major porn talent that came out of Ohio. Too. Yeah, there's a lot of people in Ohio. Well, like people forget. Yeah, it's a. I mean, but they got this big ass strong white folks and black folks yeah. in Ohio. And Corn fed. Yeah, it, it yeah. must be because of their kind of work ethic too. Because you have a lot of the Rust Belt area, Cleveland yeah. and Cincinnati, and Pittsburgh is in Pennsylvania. But that that whole area, you have like hardworking working class people with yeah. just strong kids roaming around. Yeah, and then they just keep, you know, they keep that that genetic pool there, and it's just like you get these, yeah, big strong. And, I, and do you watch Game of Thrones? Yeah. Okay, so I want to make the reference to that because that's my favorite show. Yeah. Um, and, and one of my friends actually got to just cast it on the show. So I'm really For the next season? Yeah. Oh, nice. Um, so if you watch Game of Thrones, there's like four or five major families. They're yeah. all kind of fighting each other. Stannis and uh, Lannister and things like that. If I have to pick five traditional college programs like, like that kind of level of families, powerhouse, mm -hmm. Miami Hurricanes in there. Yeah, they've fallen off a little last decade, but but they have five national championships, yeah. you know, and I got to hand it to them. That's uh, very. I'm with that. I'm a homer, so yeah, very impressive. So uh, other ones are like Oklahoma, Alabama, USC, and Notre Dame. Those five have uh, colleges have the most number of national championships. Yeah, and Notre Dame's fallen off a little recently. Yeah, but at, for for a while now they've fallen off, but they historically are there. Um, so let's talk a little bit about how Miami. What did you say? Alabama, Texas, USC. I just checked in Wikipedia. They were saying yeah. um, it was Alabama, Notre Dame, U, uh, USC, Oklahoma, and uh, uh, University. Of, uh, See, I would throw Texas in there just because they they have they generate the most money for their boosters of yeah. any program in the country, and it's not even close. It's like a forty million dollar gap. But whatever. Yeah, yeah. So, you can make them the six or seven. You can make them the slaves. 
But uh, last forty years, it's very easy. Uh, ver- I'm very comfortable saying Miami Hurricanes been okay. a player last forty years. So, yeah. but before that, they were pretty much no power. They were kind of nothing. Nothing. Four eighty three. Yeah. So let's talk about because um, it's such an exciting thing to talk about for me how they were able to turn their program around. And some of it sounds like a very obvious thing to do, but nobody did them before '83. So yeah, and it's, you, you some might of talk- it's in that some of it's in that documentary. But I mean, I know it just from being there. Howard Schnellenberger was the first coach to win a national championship in 1983 with the University of Miami, and he decided to. Everybody was coming from around the country to take talent from Florida and bring it to those other programs, Oklahoma. Uh, so it, it was Alabama. even obvious to people back then, even before they. It was, but even though all the there was so much talent in Florida, and it, it wasn't there was no historically dominant programs right. there, collegiately. University of Miami is a small private school. I mean, there's only like I don't know how, what the undergrad is there, but it's a private school. It's not like a state school. Florida State had some history in University of Florida. They had a history of some winning programs. They didn't dominate or win national championships yeah. like the other schools. And I and Howard Schellenberger like realized that these the talent was all there in South Florida, not even Florida, just South Florida. What's and, his background? Where was he coaching before of that? Ah, uh, man, I don't. I should know this, but uh, I don't remember. Yeah, because he didn't really have a huge success until University of Miami, right? No, that was it. But I think he was. I think he worked in some programs. I think he might have been in Alabama for some okay. reason. I so think he, he was at one of the dominant dominant programs, but I'm not sure. So he showed up. Yeah. And one of the first things he saw was losing culture, right? Yeah. Yeah. And just, he was just, the talent was, they, the, the teams, they didn't even have the talent, even though the talent was literally down the street. Like, you could just take a car ride and go to, like, these programs that people were taking, they were they were taking these kids to go to California or, or play in Texas or whatever. And I think it was like, um, like this is like a U.S. government reference but i think Monroe doctrine remember we say anywhere from south of usa is our area we told yeah. foreign countries don't fuck with this area yeah he basically said we're yeah. taking best talent from southern florida yeah. that's uh, that's our territory yeah that was their term like i think they said something they're gonna put a fence up yeah like a like a theoretical fence up and say you guys aren't you stay here and you play for us and this is this is it's and he fun. literally saw the talents in those areas because I think in the documentary they said they saw some uh, uh, poor neighborhood young black kids. They were literally, literally chasing rabbits and actually catching them. That's yeah. how fast these kids were. Yeah, yeah. yeah that was like in, uh, I think that was just a little bit northeast of, or northwest of South Florida in like these areas in Central Florida where all the, where they, once they rediverted the waters and stuff like mm-hmm. that, they had all this agricultural land. Yeah. And so there was like these really poor neighborhoods where people, you know, were just, you know, either migrant workers or families that just worked on these farms, like yeah. harvesting different like crops and things like that. And so you had like all these, these kids and these, and they found those gems too, like pe- people that weren't even recruiting in those areas. Like you right. go there and he, and he quickly built up like these teams. Cause in 1983, when they won the championship, they beat Nebraska, who was like a, Power was a powerhouse. Yeah, there was like there was no way Miami was going to beat them, and they beat them. So he did it in the first year of coaching, right? He did it with the talent. No, no, no. He was it there. Took, he was, two yeah. years. Yeah, at, at, it might have been his third year because he had Jim Kelly as a quarterback for a year or two. Didn't win a national title, but they started to be, get better. Kozar, Bernie Kozar came in. That's won right. The and for those of you who don't yeah. follow football, uh, Jim Kelly went uh, Buffalo Bills. He went to four consecutive Super Bowls. Hall of Famer. 
Yeah. And they gave him a lot of hard time because they didn't win. But uh, I, I just think that's a remarkable uh, four straight uh, Super Bowls, four Super uh, yeah. appearance, consecutive. Yeah. And, and and not not to mention, uh, uh, we love Jim Kelly. He's you know he's have a cancer right now. He's fighting for his yeah. life. But um, that's right, third season. But and I, then I, they also what I, the other thing Schnellenberger did was completely bring in a type of offense that the college game had, and they really. I mean, Bernie Kosar was they, the way they were throwing the ball and. Sp- it wasn't a spread offense, but n- college teams weren't used to seeing what they were doing. Do you mind just, explain spread offense to people who don't know football? It wasn't, I, but it wasn't. It was a more spread. for a college it, before, style. Before then, it was like Nebraska, the team they were playing. Mm-hmm. They did a wish an a, a offense called the wishbone, which is basically you'd line up with all these big offensive linemen on the line, like five of them. You'd probably bring in an extra tight end. Nowadays, tight ends catch balls. Back mm-hmm. then, tight ends were just another guy to block. Right. And then you had a quarterback, and then you'd have then you'd have two other running backs behind him, right. like almost a triangular formation. And every play, almost every play was snap the ball and they'd all run to one side and he might pitch it or he might keep it and run it. Right. And it was just a, not necessarily boring, but just a, just very basic running. Predictable. Yeah. But if it were, if it was, if it was run correctly, it was hard to stop. Right. Supposedly. And then they came in and they were just like, oh, we're just going to. But he brought pro style football. Pro style right? offense, mm-hmm. which they weren't running. Like, in college, they weren't doing. Like, oh, you'll learn that when you get to the pros. But then UM, they're like, well, we'll just start running it now. We're going to put a fullback and a, and a running back in the backfield. And that fullback can help block the right. quarterback. Mm-hmm. He's going to drop back, hang back there. We're going to have fast, wide receivers that are going to go into cornerbacks that aren't used to covering people. Maybe they get thrown the ball five times a game, whereas we're throwing it 35 times yeah. a game, you know? So. And just teams. And I think out. a lot of quarterbacks yeah. prefer pro style because that course, way they, yeah. they play a couple years in college and if they make it to pro, they're already ready to play as a pro. And player. they're not getting hit as much. Yeah. You run the wishbone, you're getting hit all game long. So you're more fragile. And so this is amazing because when he I could never say his last name. Schnellenberger. Schnellenberger. Yeah. He said we're gonna win national championship in within five years. Yeah. He ended up delivering that. But yeah. a lot of coaches show up and say we're gonna win titles, but that doesn't happen. He won it, he yeah. was, and he stayed one more season, and then he, he left. Pro, you, uh, he went to not NFL, but different pro league, right? Uh, USFL. USFL, which yeah. was like the the, the rival, the stepchild of, of the yeah. NFL, yeah, stepbrother, <laughs> whatever, stepchild. So, yeah. So you were probably like 10, 11, 12 years old when mm-hmm. that guy showed up, and you were a Miami fan before that, right? Even though they're losing it. Yeah, my grandparents went to the University of Miami, they were, so they were alumni. And uh, they used to go to football games all the time. I know I started going to University of Miami football games with them right at the beginning of the Schnellenberger era. Yeah. So I remember like going That's like in the, the best time to start. Yeah, I know. It was good. And then it was like golden for like 20 years. I didn't even know what losing was like as far as rooting for a team. But I remember because I remember people talking about Bill Kelly in the bathroom. Like you go to the football games and the old football stadium, the Orange Bowl, had yeah. these urinals <laughs> that like literally touched each other. So you would be like squashed. Oh, You'd be God. like rubbing shoulders with people as you're pissing. It was terrible. But even as a little kid, I'd be in there like, you know, just taking a piss and everyone would be like, oh, that's Jim Kelly. I remember them talking about Jim Kelly and I just remember that name. And then I actually, um, I remember the 83 championship against Nebraska. And then I got to go to a couple of the other ones. In 1987, I got to go to that one against Oklahoma. The national championship game? Yeah, because it, it was played in the Orange Bowl. They played, a lot of times it was played in the Orange Bowl because it didn't have, they didn't have the same system as they had now. It was right. just, so I, I got to go to the one in 1987. What was, was that like for you? As a f- that was fan? great, yeah, because I, you know, I was in high school then. Or I was just starting high school. And uh, 
that was really cool because I was there and, and we were playing Oklahoma and they were another powerhouse. We weren't going to beat them. That, I think Brian Bosworth was on that team, that linebacker. He ended up playing for the Seahawks back in the day. So that's the year. Yeah. Right, didn't he? Yeah. yeah that's the, so that's the uh, championship Jimmy Johnson was coaching. Jimmy Johnson was coaching that one. And that and, team and was Jimmy, Michael Irvin was a wide receiver on that team. And Jimmy Johnson just came from Oklahoma, right? <clears throat> he was coaching Oklahoma. He was an assistant coach. I think. Okay. Yeah. I mean, he might have been head coach, but he was at the program of Oklahoma. Yeah. And he played there in Oklahoma, I think, was the thing. Yeah. So he came there, but that was like his second or third season that he won the title. And he could have won more. They weren't in him. They just lost him because they were assholes, basically. <laughs> they turned the ball over. They beat themselves when they played Penn State. They should have won that one. That was a Jimmy Johnson team. But those teams were loaded. I was like Vinny Testaverde, a quarterback. Michael Irvin was a wide receiver. He was one of the greatest college uh, Amazing, players. yeah, yeah. And even when he was in early 40s playing for Jet, Testaverde still played well. I mean, He I, played I, well throughout, throughout yeah. his NFL career. You look at his stats, they stack up in like top quarterbacks of all time. He never won a Super Bowl. You know, at the beginning, he threw a lot of picks, little interceptions. And then they said he was colorblind. I think yeah. they came out and said they was colorblind. <laughs> that was the excuse because he was thrown to the wrong team. I don't know if that was true or not. But uh, how did, how did you like Jimmy Johnson? Because I uh, he's you know when you're a kid, I, I really I, I really like him. Even though some of the uh, practices might be somewhat questionable. The, the his they look those teams were the thing about those University of Miami teams is people hated them or loved them because people hated them because they were very like teams had never done that. Like they they were outspoken. They were really like. They, the, the thing I was going to reference before, they, when they played Texas in the Cotton Bowl, which is one of the bowl games we were talking mm -hmm. about, it's not the most prestigious, but it was right there. They played them in Texas. That's the same way the bowl game. And Texas was a good team. I think the final score was like 44 to 6. Yeah. And we had racked up almost 300 yards in penalties. In penalties. Like if you, earn, if you got that, <laughs> <laughs> and we still beat them by 40 points almost. And it was like, and they changed all that was in that documentary too. They changed all the rules after, like for like celebrating and 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 being like just being like the braggadocio type thing. So people, but it really represented what Miami was because we were talking about that at the beginning of the podcast. Like Miami is Miami is a lot of that. A lot of uh, there's there's some substance in Miami, but a lot of what Miami was, especially back then, was a lot of just puffing your chest up and being like, yeah. Like but I, I I love that. But they style. represented him, yes. I, I, like I really love it because it kind of reminded me the Oakland Raiders. Yeah. When they were in like a winning uh, championship years. Sure. Uh, yeah. That Detroit Pistons, Bad Boys. Yeah, that's a swagger. Thing, yeah. They come to town. They don't even give a shit that they're playing in your home house, yeah. home building. We're going to come and kick your ass. And and you were saying. Um, you want to close uh, the window? Hold, <laughs> I'll hold, pause for a second. All right, we're back. Um, what were we talking about at the last second? Um, uh, oh, about you kind of liked it because it was like the Oakland Raiders. And the, yeah, like, I, I just like, like you were saying, you, you eloquently explained, like, why is it the winning team's responsibility for you to play better? You yeah. Know, they're doing their job and you're losing. And um, yeah, I, 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 I thought it was so entertaining because uh, I remember there was a... The reverse maybe, of that's not fun. but It's still. not fun, but yeah. um, I remember one year... Miami Hurricane played Notre Dame for some major game. I don't know if it was national championship, but they said something like Catholic versus convicts. Remember yeah. that one? Yeah. Yeah. But like, like just like in wrestling, I just like the bad guys, you know. But yeah. 
I, I just uh, love their physicality and speed, and like they really changed the game. Yeah, they're dominant. It, it just seemed like these days it seemed normal, but in eighties and nineties, I thought they were ahead of their time. Yeah, if you watch the footage, they were they were killing people. Yeah, they're absolutely dominating them, and, and that's how just, they should be played. Yeah, honestly, yeah. and uh, um, I like Jimmy Jensen because. I read a book on, uh, on the Miami uh, Dolphins, and they, I don't know who wrote the critique, but they were saying... The Dolphins or the Cowboys? Uh, it was a book about uh, Dolphins, and uh, okay. the last year he, Jimmy Johnson was coaching okay. or something. Yeah. But they were saying that um, there's only one person more devious than uh, Jimmy Johnson in NFL, that is Al Davis. You know, just when they were saying that about yeah. Jimmy Johnson. But I kind of like, he broke... He didn't break any rules, but he bent as far as he can because he, winning was so important to him. And kind of, mm. I really like that about him. And it's fun to listen to him talk about football. But boy, what a ride that in the 80s when Jimmy Johnson was coaching Miami Hurricanes. Yeah, and then the Cowboys too. Yeah. Were, I mean, I wasn't a Cowboys fan, but I still did root for them because of Jimmy Johnson. And, and Michael so, Irvin, who was yeah. a big part of the national championship, yeah, yeah. wide receiver. And there was people on the defense. There was a lot of people on the defense too. There was... Uh, what was his name? Jim Jeffcoat was on there. I think Russell Maryland was on that mm -hmm. team. And wasn't he there? And they had some defensive players on there too. But yeah, Irvin, of course, was a huge. And, and nobody uh, was louder than Irvin, like as far as being people that people, like a polarizing people hated him. <laughs> hated him, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we, we just saw San Antonio Spurs winning an NBA championship, fifth one for them. It's fun to, it's great. They're good guys, but it's just not that entertaining. Yeah. Ultimately, these days, unfortunately, we just live in a different era. We want winning too, but we want winning and an interesting narrative that goes with it. Yeah. And everybody hated Miami Heat because all of a sudden they're the bad guys, you know? It's but, good for the NBA. Yeah. That's what I said. I'm yeah. a Miami Heat fan too, obviously. Yeah. But I, and it's easy for me to say that, but I, I thought it was good for the NBA. Absolutely. That you had a team like that. I mean, it was good, obviously, attendance wise. People were fixed on those games and going out to them. But I always think. Back, even the teams that I didn't like, like I remember when the San Francisco 49ers were good in the NFL in the yeah. 90s, and I hated them. Yeah. But it was good for the NFL because I was always watching their games, rooting against them, and then there's people rooting for them. And I think that that's good, and I think they start, that's being lost in the NFL now. Now there was all this, you know, all the revenue sharing, and they want everybody to, everyone to be almost equal. And yeah. You don't get those teams anymore where they're like so good for so long. The only equivalent is somehow the Patriots have done it. And everybody hates them, but the Patriots are good for football, I think. I, I think people forget that the important part of sports, it's got to be entertaining. There's got to be a lot of uh, competitiveness to it. Yeah. But one thing they forgot, one element that's so important to me, in my opinion, is hatred. Yeah. That, that's hating other teams. Yeah. And I remember in the 80s when Lakers and Boston Celtics used to play, they hated each other. That's oh, yeah. why it made it such a great event. And the last time they played in the finals in, the, in 2010 or 2009? Yeah. Yeah, it was great finals. I don't even I didn't even care who won that, but there was so much animosity between the two fan bases and historically where it was at. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and 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 when the players are too nice to each other or friends with it, each other, I, I don't know. I just Alan and I talk about that all the time. Like people are too friendly now. I don't like I don't like yeah. that at all. I don't like, like it. Like they're friends in the off season, they work out together. Yeah. Like Kevin Durant and LeBron do and the and even football. Like a lot of that has to do with free agency and also social media and be able to and people want like, to have a career outside of sports and market himself but yeah. I, I do miss that hatred and like Kevin Garnett is great one of his buddy uh, Ray Allen went to Miami Heat yeah. he didn't even want to talk to the guy he was dead to him you know you know I hate he's like an old school player and he's really good as Joachim Noah on the Chicago Bulls yeah because he's a dickhead 
But he's a great player, and I think it's good for basketball that he's like that. Yeah, because people don't like the Bulls because of him, you know. And then you're like, and there's this. And he doesn't give a shit yeah. if you don't like him. I yeah, love because, that because the they all back when the Heat were winning all their championships, like just recently, they always said, "Oh, the biggest rivalry is Indiana Pacers and the Miami Heat." I'm like, nah, it's the Bulls and the Heat. Yeah, because the Bulls have that element of just they have a kind of people, a person that everyone hates on there, and so does the Heat. So you had these two polarizing teams, and to me, it was. As a Heat fan, I wasn't even... Then the Pacers were there, but I never was, like, hating them. Yeah. Because they just weren't good enough. And they weren't... They didn't have any assholes. No matter <laughs> no matter however uh, you look at it, I, I just think um, Miami Heat, it, it, you know, they're not going to be the same again. But I, I just think, you know what? Last 15 years, three championships. Uh, they showed up in five or six uh, championships. No, last eight years. Oh, in 2006. That's right. So yeah. three in the last eight years. Yeah. It's awesome. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and we went three championships and uh, five NBA finals. And Marlins, yeah. are they in Miami? Miami, yeah, Miami Marlins. They're Miami Marlins now. They okay. were Florida Marlins forever, but they've always and, been and Miami. They won two World Series in the last 18 years. Yeah, 97 and 2003. Yeah. yeah. And I guess my, does Miami have a hockey team? Panthers. Florida Panthers. Did they go to like a Stanley Cup in the last 20 years once? They went to the Stanley Cup in, I want to say, 98 or 97, and they like lost, they got beat, lost right. to the Colorado Avalanche. Okay, that's right. Yeah, but they went. So there's been some success. The Dolphins are the team that hasn't, they haven't been to the Super Bowl since Marino, since 84. Yeah. It's been a long time. So they're the most popular still, though. I, I, I do want to go back to Hurricanes, yeah. but what the fuck is going on with Dolphins? I don't, I mean, I don't know. I'm not a Dolphins fan, though. Oh, you're not? It's the one South Florida team I'm not, I don't root for. I'm a, I'm a Denver Broncos fan, which, you know. this is. A How did that happen? How did you become Because that was like the first game I went to when I was little. It was a Broncos game. Okay. I, I still root for the Dolphins because I'm from Miami. Yeah. But I'm not, I'm not as invested in them as I am the Broncos. And, you know, I know you, you're a Seattle Seahawks fan, so we don't have to go over that. No, no. I, I, think, um, I think everybody knows what happened. Everybody knows <laughs> what happened, but... I, I, I have to say, you know, I'm sure people listening who are not a fan of football, none of this makes any sense. Yeah, you already lost all, all these listeners. But, um, I mean, if you're a Seahawks fan, it was miserable playing Denver Broncos in, in like in the 80s and 90s. When we were in the, oh same, when we were same, when the AFC West together, the same division. It's, it was just miserable for me because, you know, John Elway, I mean, he was mur i mean they were just killing us all the fucking time he'd win some games here and there because craig what was his name that running back craig uh War or, erickson no the running back warren no war what was that great running back you had um uh, why am i forgetting um Warren? Mo no 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 that's a quarterback he had turf toe too but i mean we had some games. see you can't even remember <laughs> but, but i didn't really want to remember those years yeah, because yeah. it was just we were getting so used Every, everybody's fan was seahawks now but like even during the Super Bowl, yeah. I just didn't understand it because I just wasn't used to seeing Seahawks playing that way. And I knew you guys having Peyton Manning, this motherfucker is going to pull that shit at the end of it, score five touchdowns in the last quarter, you know. I thought we were going to come around. But we just Our defense held to get, I mean, yeah. When it was 15-0, I'm like, we're selling this, even though everything's gone wrong. Yeah. But it just, yeah, it wasn't to be. But as soon as that's, a third quarter started it was just like we received the kickoff ball return it was right. over yeah it was, it was just like over. but you know I, I it was over as soon as he ran back the kickoff return i was on a plane watching it because my plane got delayed yeah and luckily they had tvs so i just sat sitting on the plane watching this tiny tv i remember after that kickoff i just started drinking i was already drinking but i just started drinking heavily then <laughs> i was like just keep them coming so 
But knowing Paint Manning, because I, I, I love the guy, I know I know that guy's competitive and, and it just wasn't acceptable to him. Yeah. So I know that he worked even harder than before. He's studying all the videos, why they lost. Yeah. He they're working with John Elway too. He's got another year or two. Well, for got, sure. Yeah, and they've got they improved. They got all the free agents. Yeah. They got they got uh what's his name? The lineman. Um where? Oh yeah. From, from the Cowboys. My, they from, got yeah. they got the corner from the Patriots, uh Talib. Yeah. They got um somebody else. They picked up a lot of defensive players. They replaced um, So from American Football Conference, I, I still think Denver is still favorite. They'll uh, be right there. They should be talent wise. They're right yeah. there. Yeah, they're, they're, uh, Von else? Miller was gone most of the season last year. He'll be healthy this year. Hopefully. Defensive player, great yeah, defensive yeah. player. So um, from AFC, you know, you you still probably have to use your suspect like uh, New, New England, England for sure. New England, Indianapolis. We'll see how they do. Yeah, um, and it's a dark horse, but you never know with Chargers, man. They kind of surprised me. With End the of the new season, coach. they came on. Yeah. Uh, they finally have a quarterback coach, yeah. the perfect for him. So who else is decent? Cincinnati. And I'm interesting to see. I don't how trust that quarterback at all. I don't think they're not going nowhere. I don't like it. Dalton. Yeah. I I don't know. I don't know. It's gonna be the. I I mean Denver. Houston might surprise you. That's what I was gonna say. Houston Houston is gonna be better. They can't be any worse. But but I think it's still Denver's to to lose if, as long as they stay healthy. Yeah. They've got all the weapons. They've got great. You know, even though they lost Decker, they still have great. Two, I mean, they've got yeah, well, Demarius first, Thomas, uh, mm-hmm. it's like, and they still have the tight end uh, Julian Thomas, and they've got uh, they've they've got this other who they replace Decker with. They got another receiver. I can't remember. That I'm not. They're they're gonna be fine, but I think they're more than fine. And uh, and you I, guys lost some depth. Seahawks. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. The thing that made you guys great last year was you were like two, three deep at each position. And now you can't afford to do it because those guys are all. Uh, you still have a, a very, very strong team, but you don't have that depth now because you lost a lot of players. Sure, in the and but, uh, so that, that'll Tate be went to Detroit Lions. Yeah, so be um, interesting to see. It's a new season. I know that coach is very familiar with it. Uh, Pete Carroll for Seahawks. I, I just hope they go in, just forgetting about what happened last season, concentrate yeah. because, like you were saying, Miami Hurricanes, their worst enemy were them just themselves because they were so good. Yeah. Honestly, I'm surprised they only have five national championships. If they were more serious, I think they should have had. There's two that they lost that they should have won. They should have won. Yeah, and then they were in a couple other ones, but it doesn't mean they should have won them. But there's two that they just blew. Yeah. Yeah, the one in Ohio State. And the, the game with which, Penn State, I think. The one, yeah, the one in Penn State, they outgained them like three to one. They just turned the ball over five or six times yeah. and just made dumb decisions even at the very end. I mean, they were dominating them. And then the game against Ohio State, the year after they won in 2001, you know, it was like a, a two or three controversial. There's a it was an over one overtime and 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 this yeah I think there was two second overtime they lost and there was a very controversial call to to get them to that overtime yeah because they said there was pass interference the game was called it was over yeah I mean there was celebration fireworks going off and they said oh no it was pass interference very dubious infamous call and uh, and then we ended up losing we were missing some players at that point anyways. <laughs> are you? Are you? Are you? Uh, um, then, Jimmy Johnson left for, for uh, Dallas Cowboys. 
then Dennis Erickson showed up, and yeah. I like Dennis Erickson. He went from Washington State University to Miami, won yeah. two national championships. 91 and 93. Yeah, yeah what was it like at uh, that time following Miami Hurricanes? I mean, was he well-received back then from the day one? Well, he won, so he was well-received, but a lot of people didn't like his one-back offense, and when he wasn't winning, they always uh, would harken back. Even though he won two, they'd harken back to Jimmy Johnson. Oh, Jimmy Johnson did this better and that better. So I think it was tough for him because he came in after like a, the legacy of the, the, that guy and even Schellenberg before it, but... He won two titles, so right, you know. But he had it was the same thing. He was still getting all the talent, but then there was a drop off after that. There was some probationary period and stuff. He left because there was going to be a problem for college. That's what they say. Yeah, he went to Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, yeah. So there was like a dark area of just us being terrible, and people loved it. The rest of the The country, yeah, people hated Miami. So when we were getting walloped, people were like, yeah. (laughs) But then you know, Butch Davis built the program back up. We won, and then. It kind of got left in the hands of Larry Coker, who and and Randy Shannon took over, and they and they didn't. Really but Larry won national championship, the last one. Yeah, but he won it with the the team that Butch Davis built up. Right. Like he 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 stepped in and won it the first season he was coach, and it was like like I said, I said before, is like I'm I'm not trying to belittle him as that coach, but like I almost could have coached that team. Like I could have just been like, you guys just got out there and do what you're. <laughs> I mean, it's all pros, all NFL players are on that team. Just stacked. it's very similar to the Dallas Cowboys when Jimmy Johnson left and mm-hmm. Barry Switzer from uh, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, Oklahoma. Yeah, yeah, just took over. And he's a good, very good coach. He also won national championship. Yeah, but he had too, the team. But he, he inherited so much fucking talent. He inherited a two-time Super Bowl winner. Yeah, yeah, that was it. Just like all the same players, and like he won. He won. He was the head coach. He won it. But it's like you know, it's I I I, I was telling you before I said the running backs on that University of Miami team were um, Clinton Portis, Willis McGahee, and Frank Gore. Those Jesus. are the three running backs. They're all pro- professional. Yeah, yeah, league. all at the highest level, professionals. You know, not just like, hey, we made it to the pros. And their wide receivers, Andre Johnson was their starting wideout. And then... I, He's yeah. still a huge star for the uh, yeah, Texans. Yeah, Kellen Winzo uh, was in the NFL. Uh, Jeremy Shockey was the starting tight end. People won the Super Bowl yeah. for uh, New like, Orleans. All yeah. the offensive linemen, it was like people, I don't think... Um, What's his name? He's on the Texans. Big guy. I, I can't remember the offensive lineman's names. Those aren't the flashy guys. But. Some people even say 2001 uh, Miami Hurricanes could have been one of the greatest, if not the greatest. Yeah, they always say that team. Yeah, yeah, I think so. The defense was all all NFL players, all NFL starters. D- Jonathan Belma, DJ Williams, Vince Wilfork, uh, Ed Reed, um, Philip Buchanan played for the Raiders. He was a corner. Mike Rumpf. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's a lot of sports talk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's well, fine. I'm fine with it. I can do it. But <laughs> um, do you want to talk a little bit about how did you meet Billy Corbin? Um, oh, I he's, uh, he's a very famous. Yeah, he's, uh, yeah, he's the documentary. documentary guy. We were talking about he makes documentaries and he's made a bunch of other ones we didn't mention. But he's a big comedy fan. He, he's a Miami guy. He's like all about Miami. That's what he you know he does documentaries of other things too. Like he did one of the Limelight, the club in New York City, and so but uh. But he's a big supporter of of local talent in South Florida. So like he'll come out to, he'll just be at a comedy show, and then afterwards you get off stage and he's there, or he'll tweet a pic. Like I remember just he getting off on my Twitter, there'd be a picture of me on stage from his account or whatever. So there's me and a, a bunch of other local comics. Did you know who, um, who he was right away when you met him? Yeah, because I I knew the thirty for thirty. I mean, when that came out to you, that was like. I yeah I knew him before I met him because of his documentaries like Cocaine Cowboys yeah I knew his name so when I was when when he introduced himself I was like selling merch or something like that and he introduced him, I was like oh yeah shit I know who you're you know 
And then I remember he like tweeted a picture of him wearing this Eat Baby shirt yeah. that I sell and stuff like that. So, so he's always been a big supporter down there of comedy. He goes out to a lot of the, the improv, and he, he he's on a local radio show there a lot, the Paul and Ron show. I, I think he still does spots on there. Yeah, where he does various things, and and um and so a lot of comics are in there too. So, so yeah, he's always been cool about that. I mean, so you started comedy in Florida. Yeah, um, Miami. Uh, I mean. Biggest comedy. It's where everybody starts comedy that's famous. Um, <laughs> well, Brian I, I, Regan. He's the biggest one. From I, I remember Mitch Hitberg was like working some um, restaurant or something. He kind of started a little bit down there. Eventually moved to Seattle to do it full time. Really? Yeah. I remember him telling me. he was. I don't know why he was down in Florida. but he was I didn't know that one. He, he told me he, work, he was working at a diner or something. I don't know if he was cooking or... I don't remember. He kind of started kind of doing it. And he told me he mm. did some stuff in Florida. Okay. Uh, even though predominantly most of that stuff he studied up in Washington State. Um, yeah, I mean, from Miami, the biggest guy is Brian Regan. He's, I didn't even know he was from down there. I didn't yeah, know he that. went to high school there. He's from there. Yeah, he, he, um, I think he started comedy in Ohio, maybe. I see. When he went to school, but he's from there. So we can claim that. Uh, Daniel Tosh is from Florida. He's from like area called Cocoa Beach. And he started like, I think, in West, doing a lot of gigs in West Palm. because That's pretty close to there. Is so, he... Is his parents religious? Yeah, I don't know him that well, but that's what I've always heard. Is that, and I think I I've worked with him a couple of times. And I think he, I think he grew up pretty religious. Or, or, or maybe I misunderstood because I don't really know him. No, no, no. I think I remember him saying that when we were. I think he's, and, his dad might be a preacher or something. I think that's what I was just gonna say. Yeah. Is that whatever or minister or whatever? I never know all the differences between preacher, minister, priest. I don't either. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's like hotel, motel, yeah, and yeah, yeah. You know. there's some. Yeah, whatever the difference is. Yeah. Because. Man, Florida is such an interesting place. I don't, I don't know how to pinpoint. It. I mean, geographically, it's in the south, but does some of the? I mean, Jacksonville sounds most feels of the state very religious. A, most of the state is the south. Yeah, I mean, even I, I mean, I know it's in the south, south. Yeah, but, but anything north of Orlando is the south. Yeah, as you know it, but just with beaches. Yeah, and then uh, Orlando and Tampa are major cities, but they're still, you know, very conservative. I'd say overall, and um. And there's pockets of big time religion, you know, that kind of religious. But when you go Key West, there's a lot of gay people there. Ah, yeah, yeah, Key yeah, West, that's and, what they're famous that. for. It's a stereotype. Yeah. <clears throat> and um, um, Key West is like where people want to escape. A lot of people come to Florida. The reason so many, I always have this discussion with people, why is there so many weird things that happen in Florida? It's because a lot of people go there to, historically have gone there to disappear. You yeah. Know? Because it was like this, especially in the Keys, it's kind of like Alaska. Now it isn't so much like that, but you could just go like, let's say you murdered somebody in I mean, there's Wisconsin some, or something. You go down and hide out there. You know, no one would even it's, find you. It's literally like there's swamps as well. In yeah, Florida. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, yeah you can, and and there's no state income tax in the whole state of Florida. It's always warm. Um, it, it, there's all these, even the even for the white collar criminals of the bankruptcy laws, yeah. all the laws are like very re relaxed or reduced or non-existent. And then, um, and I'm not joking. This when I say this, they they used to have pirates in yeah, Florida, sure, yeah, 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 the keys, yeah, literally outlaws. <laughs> Tampa too. That was a big. They have a big pirate festival every year. So yeah, Gasparilla or whatever, yeah. Hence Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the football team as yeah, well. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I mean, they, if you go to the Keys, any if you learn any of the history of any of the Florida Keys that you're in, like people, they used to, they used to stay on land too. Some of the pirates, they wouldn't even always be at sea, and they would wait for sh for they would like make sure that ships would wreck on the reef systems, 
by kind of, and they would wait for those ships to wreck, and then they would go out and like loot them. Yeah. <laughs> just take all the shit after they crashed. And even yeah. during Prohibition, there was a lot of business down there with the hard liquors transporting, you know. Yeah. Um, and drugs, too, went through mm. the Keys. I mean, you know, do you know the story about Key West becoming the Conquer Public? Do you know that story? No. Uh, okay. So back, cocaine always comes back to cocaine in South Florida. They, a lot of the cocaine was coming through and drugs now were coming through Key West. And then they were being driven up to the mainland, which is about a hundred and... I think it's about a 130-mile drive from Key West to, like, to the mainland. Maybe what was the movie with Schwarzenegger? There's a scene in Key West. True Lies. Yeah, it's, it's such a bu- visually beautiful place. Yeah, yeah, it's on the Seven Mile Bridge, a little north of Key West, but around down there. Yeah. And so what the federal government decided to do was put up a roadblock. There's only one road that goes down the Keys, US-1, and that's it. And very small roads coming off it, but the main thing is US-1 straight down mm-hmm. the Keys. There's no other way to get out. So they put up a roadblock going in and out of Key West, the federal government. And they were stopping every car that would go in and out of Key West for, to try and stop stem the drug yeah. flow. And as you can imagine, that really hurt tourism, which was their biggest moneymaker. And people stopped going to Key West. And so the mayor of Key West, they had a press conference and he, he declared that they were seceding from the union. When was uh, this? Uh, I want to say like. Early 80s, mid 80s, something like that. They were seceding from the. If this happened now, it would be huge, like on Twitter and and social media. Seceding from the union, and they were going to be known as the Conquer Public. They have a flag. You can still get like the t shirt and stuff, and it's like, it's got like these kind of stars on a conch shell, and it had a flag. They showed the flag. We were going to be known as the Conquer Public from now on. Then he also, during the press conference, said they were declaring war on the United States of America. Wait, by the way, that word, that's that big gel in the shell. shell. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that has the animal lives in it, and people eat the fritters and mixed up so then the conquer public declared war in the united states <laughs> right and then they immediately surrendered and and requested aid for as a recovering country after war and it was a huge publicity stunt yeah. and even before social media and twitter also, it still worked yeah because they stopped the roadblock because it became this national news story to show you like how we're because it wasn't getting any national attention this was their way to do it as this very creative and funny like stunt so it's still known as like if you're if you're a native of the Keys, you're known as a conch. Yeah. And it's still known as like there's a conch republic. There's like I've seen the T-shirts and the flag and stuff. You can still get them there and stuff. So that was like a pretty cool. Uh, I, I love the fact that there's a bit of a showmanship for yeah. people living in Florida, you yeah. know, and that's amazing. Um, I remember going doing gig in St. Augustine. It's one. It is the oldest colonial spot that we built. Yeah. And they were pretty religious. You couldn't do any Jesus or Bible jokes at all. You could do a lot of... What, sh- what club did you do there? Gypsy Cab Comedy Club? It wasn't a comedy club. It was my friend running like a comedy festival 10 years ago. So we, oh, okay. we, we did a show like... That was the first place I ever did road work was in St. Augustine. St. Augustine. Then we went to uh, Marathon, Florida, which is in like the, the middle of the Keys. Yeah. yeah. Then we went to, well, it's and, way down there. That's yeah. Like we did trip. shows. And I was surprised like when I was in Orlando, you drive anywhere in like 10, 15 Orlando's miles. religious. When you go drive 50, 10, 50 miles out of it, you'll see white people with no shoes, like literally walking by swamps and shit like that. Sure, yeah. Even still, even though it's built up more. Why, why is that? Like, I'm, I'm really stunned. Like, Because it's warm. You don't have to wear shoes there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you don't yeah. think it's, it's mostly poverty in the... Nah, there's a lot of poverty in Florida, too. Because it's like, it's, it's almost like if you're going to be homeless, where are you going to live? You're going to live somewhere warm. If you're warm and pretty if you're going to be poor you might as well do the same thing 
It's easier to be poor in Florida than a lot of states just because of all the things I was talking about before. Fuck, my, one of my friends went down there for fishing. You know, he loved fishing, and he went to, I don't know, some gas station middle of the night. Where's a good place to uh, fish? And the guy told him. He went down there, and it's so dark, but he was fishing, and he was kind of catching fish here and there, but, like, something wasn't right, you know? And um, so he put flashlight. All he saw was five alligators moving up to his direction. Yeah. Yeah, and the guys at gas station, then the tell him about that you know but all I this cra- he knew. yeah there's all that animals down there that is surprising like people are just comfortable living with snakes gators yeah well, i don't know if they're comfortable but they've well, eliminated <laughs> a lot of those animals so, so they're done like if a gator comes in right if an alligator comes up the canal system which because because basically what wait wait so have you had experience with them with alligators yeah yeah yeah, yeah of course you mean like seeing them yeah, I've seen thousands. But they, they don't come up to your garage or anything. Have you, you haven't had oh, that? Sometimes they'll come into people's yards or swimming pools or like front doors and things. But here's the thing is that Florida is a, was a swamp. Everything below, Lake Okeechobee is a giant lake in the middle mm-hmm. of Florida. And it's not a deep lake. It's probably in the wet season, it can get somewhat deep, but not like anything like a northern lake. And uh, historically, that lake would overflow and then it would flow down into the, all of the swamp system, which is South Florida, except for the very ridges on the coast. Okay. It was the Everglades. And you can still go there, and it's still the Everglades, but what they did was they re-diverted all the water from the Everglades in those lakes. They dammed it up, and they put levees and dikes and canals going all to the coasts of Florida so that people could build houses. There could yeah. be agriculture, uh, uh, both like, uh, like you know, sugar cane and... And, and cattle and things like that. And then also so people could build their houses away from the coast because up until then, the only place that was above sea level were the little ridges on coasts. So in Miami, the only part that was above sea level was Miami Beach, the barrier islands, yeah. and then maybe a mile or two inland, and then it was swamp. But if you go to Miami now, you can drive miles to yeah. get to the swamp. So all these canal systems are all connected to the Everglades. They yeah. still do. So alligators will go up them because that's just what they do. They're just living their life, you know? And they'll sometimes come into a yard. And if this this was the rule for a while. I'm pretty sure it still is. If the alligator's under six feet, they'll catch it. And they'll... What do you mean they'll catch it? Who? Oh, like uh, wildlife officials. Okay. Like, they'll catch them and they'll relocate them back in the Everglades. And if it's above six feet, they kill them. Just because... <laughs> and they weren't doing anything wrong. They're just like, well, here's a body of water I'm going to go up because this is what I do. I'm an alligator. Or it might have been, I used to live here when I was younger. And now they built this housing complex here. Nobody sent me the memo. Like, don't come here anymore. So they'll come up on, and a lot of them are like these, you know, these little bank embankments that they'll just crawl up. Sure. And somebody's small dog gets eaten or somebody just freaks out. You never out, hear you know? like a young kid getting eaten by one of those? People have been attacked by him. Like there was a, <laughs> a story about a guy that lost his arm. I'm laughing because when you, if you ever see the interview with it, if, it's, it's happened more than once, but it was like this kind of just dummy. You see the interview and he was drunk and he jumped into an area where there was a lot of alligators at night and they one of them took the way alligators grab prey is they'll they'll bite down on them and then they roll and suffocate them running the water yeah right? they'll, they'll bring them trying to bring them to the bottom but they also roll and i guess they grabbed his arm and rolled and it just tore it straight off oh. of his body and he had to like swim in circles back in the shore <laughs> but he but then he was like mad at the he was like we need to find an alligator and kill it and whatever i'm like he jumped into like literally the everglades water in the middle of the night, drunk or he didn't say he was drunk, but of course he was. Why would you do that sober? And then he was mad. I always get, I always baffles me that people blame it on the animal. I'm surprised yeah. he's alive. I mean, yeah, 
I mean, that'd be like if you, it'd be like if you just kicked in someone's front door in the middle of the night and then they shot you and you're like, why'd you shoot me? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. You came in my house like that. Did you cover that stuff when you studied marine biology about the life, uh, water and people in Florida? Did and, I cover it? What do you mean? I mean, marine biology. I mean, you know, well, I guess. Yeah, that's, I didn't work with alligators, but we would, we did a lot of water quality sampling yeah. as part of my job and we would be around where there were ever alligators all the time. So I, that's why I was saying I've seen. Yeah, thousands. So of after you got your degree, you went down to Florida. You work for um, like a city of uh, Miami-Dade Miami? County for the county. Yeah, the county that encompasses. And what Miami. were you doing? Like water con uh, quality control? What, what? I um I did a lot of stuff. One of the things was water quality testing mm -hmm. for Biscayne Bay, which is the marine environment, like the saltwater environment that's yeah. all around the city of Miami and even the parts of the ocean off Miami Beach. And then even down in the Florida Bay, which is where the key starts. Sure. And then also all the tributaries and rivers and canals I was talking about, we would do those too. So some of the freshwater areas. And then I also studied uh, like um, how how different, how because water flow has been changed in all of South Florida over the years. Like it used to be, like I described, this just kind of slow, very, very slow river of fresh water that fed the Florida Bay, which in turn fed the Florida Keys reef system and all mm -hmm. the fishes and fisheries and stuff like that. That's all been re-diverted in canals and rivers and stuff. And it's changed the flow of water. It's changed the dynamics of how the ecosystems and the... What's going and, on? I mean, like... like uh, well, this happened years ago. This happened in the, in the middle of the last century. The yeah. U.S. Army Corps of Engineers responded to people saying... We're getting our all of my cattle died because they got it got flooded here, and then all my crops are underwater, and my house is getting flooded. And it's like, yeah, well, again, this is where we built the stuff. That's why it's getting flooded. But instead of being like, well, we shouldn't build stuff here, what we decided to do was pretend we knew what we we're going to do naturally and redivert all the water into the oceans through all these pinpoint, like all these point systems of canals, right? And by doing that, we disrupted what the natural flow was, and. As we know with pretty much any time we do this in the history of the world, man, when we try to change nature and think that we can make it somewhat simple, uh, yeah, It backfires, right? Of course. So not only is it backfired just on an ecological standpoint, like as far as uh, we see coral reefs are dying, we see species of, of fish and mammals and reptiles that are, don't have habitat anymore. And we see like invasive species taking over where they weren't before because we're changing the salinity of the water, we're changing the temperatures of the water. And not only is that, that so you say, oh, who cares? Some people say, who gives a shit about raccoons and, and alligators and fish mm -hmm. and stuff like that? But hey, this is how Florida makes their money, fisheries. Yeah. Like selling fish, crabs, shellfish, really. tourism, that's starting to go away. And if you live there, fresh water is an issue now too because when we re-diverted all the fresh water, every... The freshwater system there is all is an aquifer, so it was under. You have surface water, what you see on the surface, yeah. And then below that, there's all this porous rock, basically in South Florida, where there also was this freshwater continued down into that. I'm just trying to minimize the details of it, but basically there was a big level of freshwater in the aquifers that would push against the salt water, yeah. And we'd be able to have a well inland, and then we get our fresh water and we drink it. Well, as we re-diverted all the waters. We're changing the way the aquifer system works in South Florida. Now we get salt water starting to intrude into areas where it used to be fresh. So now you, this well that 30 years ago was fresh water, you pull it up and it's, it's brackish. It's like salt mixed with fresh. So it affects everybody. Yeah. So now what they're trying to do is they, this is how dumb we are. All right. The U.S. Army Corps of Engineers was the ones that designed this whole canal system. Yeah. 
they're the same ones that are in charge of fixing it, which you already know is a bad idea yeah. <laughs> to get the people that. So this has been an ongoing process for years and years and years. And this was part of my job was research and monitoring leading up to re restoring the flow of water to what it naturally used to be, but still with some caveats that the fact that people live there and we need to, you know what I'm saying? We're, yeah. we're trying to get it back closer to what it was. We never will because we've infringed too much on it, but they're trying to get it so that this, the whole system is healthier for. I think in, in um, so it's called the Everglades Restoration Project. It's a huge, huge study. It's looked at by the entire scientific international community as like the first of its kind on that kind of scale to restore this entire. I mean, it's basically the bottom third of the state of Florida. That is, and so, and it affects just so many different factors are involved. Are they having problem with like fresh water, uh, not, not, not having enough of it in Florida? Like, well, there always is that too, because, yeah. because you get a lot of it in the summer, but here's what happens. So you get a lot of fresh water in the summer. It's a rainy season, but it's also the hurricane season. So what happens when, when a hurricane starts coming towards South Florida, they have the people that control all these, these canals because they have gates on them towards all the ocean. So they hold the water. Because we're like, we want to hold all this fresh water. Mm -hmm. But when hurricanes are coming, we're like, it's going to be a lot of rain and it could cause flooding. So they open up the gates. So they, they lose release water. a bunch of water. Now, let's say the hurricane doesn't hit South Florida they, and they close these gates. Now the water level's low and yeah. it's not replenished. I see. Because they were worried about flooding. So it's like this weird, <laughs> it's, it's based in some sort of hydrology and science, but it's also this crapshoot. And I can't tell you how many times that's happened. We're like, release the water. And they're letting it all go. And the hurricane just goes. Frank. And then we're like, ah, oh, shit, we have less water than we thought. And there's so. times you didn't open it and hurricane hits the city. And Well, they'll never do that. Oh, because okay. that's more dangerous. They try not to never do that because the, the whole concept is like, it's political, you know? Somebody gets their house flooded. They're like, I'm not voting for you again. So the politicians are. Oh, we don't yeah. want to have like another New Orleans. So another thing they did after these big storms was they, they built these giant pumps, too. So not only could they open the gate, they can just pump water out too. And the idea is like, well, maybe if we wait longer, we can just turn on these pumps. And it's just a, it's a big clusterfuck oh. of, of technology and engineering and science and people, politics and people going this way and that way. And this, what's better for the environment, what's better for the, you know, it's, it's like anything that humans have done. It's, it, it was short-sighted to begin with. We're trying to catch up to try and, make it right to some degree, but we're never going to because there's always going to be other factors at play. You know? And there's so many people want to live down there too. Yeah, and yeah. the population keeps increasing Yeah, more and more and more. So it's like... Have you um, have you been to Salton Sea? The what? Salton Sea? No. It's uh, it's nearby Palm Spring, and they were saying that... Um, oh, I've seen it. Like, yeah, I've seen it from... Because when I went to Joshua Tree, I went on one of the peaks. And you can that, there you there. go. 40s yeah. and 50s, people are, like, um, predicting that Sultan Sea is going to be, like, oasis where rich will go there for vacation, things like that. Yeah. But I don't know what caused it. The, the salt level got so high, it started killing all the fish in there. Yeah. So it, it, it literally become dead communities surrounding the Sultan Sea. But, like, I don't understand how all of salt increased so much, it kills all the light animals in it i don't know enough about that area but i mean there's sometimes it could be natural i mean it doesn't always have to be something we're doing but i always tend to believe it's i mean more than not i mean I, uh fish could live in the salt but if there's too much salt they're saying it would it'll kill yeah yeah it. like salinity okay yeah so like right most most seawater is what they say 36 parts per thousand 
So every 36 parts per thousand is, uh, is, uh, you know, uh, assault, mm-hmm. a, 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 you know, and, um, that's the level that's around the level where most sea life is at a healthy state, but right. it can be way more than that or it can be less. I mean, fresh water is zero, you know, like, like well water is like zero, but then fresh water might be 0.3 or something like that. Yeah. So if it gets, there's certain thresholds for different animals and plants and stuff that live in a saltwater environment. It depends on what the, the fish is and it depends on what their tolerance is. But, you know, that's probably what happened there was it got to whatever it was, 50 or 60 or 70. They start killing all the animals. Yeah, there. and nothing can live anymore. It's yeah. Like, there's the, I don't know what would have caused that there, but um, could have been runoff from things nearby. It could have been, because it's a closed area. I remember seeing it now. Sure, it's huge. Um but- it could have been something naturally occurring, like coming up from the ground, because there's like salt that's in the earth, you know. Yeah. But I don't know. It could have been that it was starting to be constricted, the outflow somewhere. Yeah. I don't know enough about it at all. I'll just be guessing. I but, I know um um what's his name? Who's the guy from Baltimore always making those crazy movies? John um from where? Uh, Baltimore, Maryland. Um, oh, I can't remember. What his do you name. mean crazy movies? It's just like really wacky, like outlandish clothes. Men will be wearing women's outfit. John, um, oh, do you mean Tyler Perry? No, 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 Atlanta? no. You said well, men's it's, wearing women's outfits. <laughs> white guy. He he uh, he had a movie with Tracy Lore and Johnny Depp years ago uh, in the early nineties. Oh, you're talking about uh, um, um, yeah. Uh, I can't remember his name now either, but I know he, he did. He did, he did Crybaby. Yeah. And he uh, did voices for. What's his name? He he was the narrator for the documentary about Salton Sea, and like I I didn't know the sea, that area in, in California used to be vibrant with life. It was a wonderful place to visit, yeah. and Anthony Bourdain did an episode visiting people that still live there. But the poverty is unbelievable, high level yeah. of, of poverty, and there's so many abandoned towns surrounding Salton Sea. It looks like Mars. Like it looks like really people go there and like take really interesting picture with models and stuff because it looks so like. It looks almost like Mad Max. Like I want to go there now. Yeah, it's really interesting. Cool. You should go if you have a chance to yeah. go there. But I, I'm just fascinated. Like they don't have fish in there, or or if it does, very few. Like the salt level was so high. Yeah, yeah. But there's other. I mean, same thing as pollution in other areas. I mean, same. You know, there's places where fish. But going back, they, to, you have to have a certain balance: salt, oxygen, mm-hmm. temperature. It's all like it's all dependent. All things are dependent on those. Those are the big three in water, you know, salt, oxygen, the salinity, oxygen, temperature. Um, I know Dave Barry lives down there. I went to his shows. He's a very famous columnist writing funny articles about um, Florida. Carl Hyacinth's another one. That's the guy I wanted to talk to you about. Yeah, because he he, he usually does a lot of stuff on an environmental slant. Because he... um, he writes a lot of funny crime stories uh, or suspense novels. About yeah, but he bases them a lot in like the actual, actual crazy yeah. world of Florida, South Florida. Yeah, like um, do you know much about? I, I've never read any of his books, but I keep hearing good things about him. And uh, he has one. I've never read it though. I always keep meaning to read. It's called Skinny Dip, and it's about that's the one. That's the book. It's, my, a, it's about a guy that's a water quality. Uh, I think he's a technician or something like that. And he works for the South Florida Water Management District, which is an actual. It's there's the whole state of Florida is divided into four districts okay. for water, and that's the South Florida one, which we worked with. Mm-hmm. The place where I worked, we worked in conjunction with them with uh, different contracts and stuff like that. And he's like, he's he's falsifying data because he's working for like some big industry or something like that. And 
And it, it's probably based on some stories of reality because he was a journalist too, you know, that he... He still but, writes. Yeah, right, and yeah. it wouldn't surprise me if it was all true story because I think the Indians are involved too, like the Seminole tribe and the, yes. the Kasukis, which now have casinos and yeah. land and stuff like that too. But they they're, they spend a lot of money um, fighting like the South Florida Water District and the people because they don't think that their environmental standards are strict enough a lot of times. And I just like I, I I enjoy reading his articles about uh, corruption and crime in yeah. Florida. It's very distinct. A lot of these like real estate uh, conglomerate construction companies, you know, you just keep hearing stories about bribery, this and that, and like complete disregard for environment. You know, and University of Miami, they just sold a plot of land in South Florida that was a critical. The, the whole area of Miami before they built houses and stuff, the area that was above sea level is Pineland habitat. It's very distinct habitat, and it's very little of it left, mm -hmm. especially within the city of Miami. And there's this huge tract of land in the southwest part of Miami um, near the Tamiami Airport. It's like in the southwest area. And the University of Miami owned it because they were given it as a, you know, someone donated or something like that, and they owned the land. And and now I guess they needed money. I don't know. I guess I feel like they had a lot of money, and they sold it. And supposedly they're going to build like a Walmart and a Buffalo Wild Wings yeah. and some shit like that. And it's people, not everyone, most people in Miami are just like, walk like any other city is walking through like a zombie. But I know about it here just because I always go back and I check the local papers and I have a local feed from Twitter. And sure. Stuff like and um, so it's probably still going to get built, but people are just going to be like, well, that I'm sure Kyle Harrison has probably written something about it. Or if he hasn't, he's well, you know, because he, he has he writes he writes like shorter pieces, too, for. The Miami, I think he worked for the Miami Herald. Yeah. Maybe just does freelance now or something like that. I, um, man, it's, if I wasn't living in, um, yeah, my, Florida is definitely like top four for me. If I wasn't interested in show business where I want to live, I, I can't get over it. Like it's so, so different. It's, it's yeah. like I was saying, it's in the South, but it's not really South, South state for me yeah. because. Yes, there's a lot of religious nuts down there, but you also got like other cool, weird people down there. Yeah. Like I went, what's her name? Um, Wernos, the serial killer. Who's uh, I? Uh, remember seeing that movie Monster with Charlize Theron? Oh yeah, I don't remember her name. That was in, that was in West, that was near Tampa, I think. Yeah. Right? yeah. I went to the bar where she used to hang out. Yeah. And back at the bar, there's a coffin where she used to sleep in there. So I went in there and took a picture there. And the hotel that she used to live, a couple blocks away, I went there to take a picture, but yeah, it's like, yeah, that bar had so many different characters in there. It's the same bar where she got arrested. Yeah, but they have they There's have a, the same people in there. Yeah, they're they're, they're selling things like killer sauce. They were selling hot sauce in there with a picture of a serial killer in the front of the bar. Yeah. You know, it's like a tourist destination <laughs> now. Yeah, that sounds about right for Florida. <laughs> and I love the architecture. I love the Cubans down in Little Havana. I yeah. went down to Little Havana. Uh, for those of you old enough to remember, and I know you remember this, Elian Gonzalez, huge fight between a family who want to keep a, a young Elian Gonzalez in the States and the, his father in Cuba want his son back. It was a big... But it was, really, it was really a political thing. Yeah. It was really Castro versus the U.S. It really government. was. Yeah, yeah. So and I, I went to the Elian Gonzalez uncle where he was staying. You pay money, you could go inside. He made yeah. a shrine out of it. Museum now, yeah. There's a picture of Elian Gonzalez everywhere. Yeah. And if you go into the back room, there's a hole in the uh, in the door because INS security guys kicked the door and grabbed the they kid out. They stopped the hole? Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, that uh, was a big... And and now he's, like, grown up, and now he's kind of like a propaganda guy for he, Castro. Yeah, he was yeah. a face of a yeah, young yeah. communist. <laughs> yeah. 
I've said this uh, once, and I'm going to say it again. I think Al Gore would have won the presidency if if they would have just supported that the alien guns and let him stay in this because the people in oh, you think that was it? Cubans have a, such. I a, mean, he probably won it anyways, Florida, and that's a whole other. Debate, well, that's but true. Yeah. But yeah, you're, it would have been no brainer. You're thinking then, yeah. I think Cubans are really angry with the Clinton administration for letting that kid get back to uh, uh, Cuba. Yeah, sure, yeah. And Florida was the important critical state for the Al Gore. That to was win. it, yeah. But uh, I, I think they really turned against them. I, I really did. So and, you're saying uh, Elian Gonzalez could change the entire history, history of the United States? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this kid that's wearing a uniform now, and yeah. Yeah, uh, it's a crazy story. And I remember that. And there was like um, the scene outside of that house. I never went by it when it was going on, but I'd always see it on the news. It was just like a, this. It was just uh, surreal. You know, like there were these huge crowds out there and protesters. And that's the big joke always in Miami is like people get out the, the pots and pans. Yeah. Like when anyone wins a sports title, but when that was going on, so, like they always say when, when Castro dies, everyone's going to go with their pots and pans and. A spoon. This is very uh, distinct sound in certain neighborhoods of Miami of celebration. But ha- we, we we mentioned all the unpleasant things by Florida. Having said that, I love the people down there. The food is wonderful, beautiful, beautiful. Women are just. I mean, you you could every shade or lack of shades of women down yeah. there, and um, it's such a weather is well beside the hurricane times it's it's yeah don't go there now when i look man the summer i'm not i'm not gonna sugarcoat that you june july august and september uh, it's terrible yeah because it's and 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 october you can throw in because of hurricanes because the prime hurricane season when the hurricanes really hit in florida i mean they they can start in as early as may june but when you really have to start keeping your eyes on south florida is august september october that's prime hurricane season it's also coincides with disgustingly hot and muggy and just it rains every day at one and then it just sun comes back out and bay it's just gross but i remember okay. being there like uh, december and january it's great man yeah, yeah. it's so awesome and in november until like april it's awesome weather's awesome it's like it's not as humid it doesn't rain no hurricanes you know and it, and it has more of that climate of la at night not quite as dry you still have some humidity associated sure. with it but it's like it'd be more like in the '60s, you know, at night, and you're and you drive with the windows down. And you're like, this is beautiful. Yeah, it's a beautiful. But man, the, the summers can be brutal. You just got to run from house to house to air conditioning, like you do in the north in the winter. But you know, even Russell Peters are telling me he loved going to Florida in January, do all the different clubs down there because right, perfect yeah. time of year to go down. there. January is the shit. Yeah, J- December and January and February are like the best. Yeah, it's just the weather's great. There's no bugs flying around. It's awesome. I'm going there at the end of September to do shows, and I'm sure that's I'm sure a hurricane's going to hit or some crap. <laughs> I know when I should have went, and I didn't even time it right, but that's when I'm going. So yeah, we'll see. Um, so how long? How long? Uh, maybe the uh, last portion I'd like to talk to you about. When did you move to California? July first, last year of 2013. Oh, that's it. So yeah. this whole time you were doing performing mostly in Florida. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was all around the country, but I was living in Miami. I mean, I traveled everywhere. Mm-hmm. I traveled all the way out to California to perform, but I was based in Miami, so I'd either drive or fly out of there, which is terrible because it's, you know, if you start if you're in Indianapolis and you're doing comedy, you can get to a ton of places in three hours because you're in the center. Sure, Miami, it's like there's nowhere to go but up, 
you're just at the bottom of a state, you know, and there's nothing around you. So you got to fly or drive everywhere. And when you're doing shows down that area, audience are quite different. Would you say? say yeah, but I didn't change any of my act mm -hmm. up. I was just either like, all right, well, some people might not like this, some people will. What am I going to do? I'm not going to write a whole new act for dummies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not saying I'm the smartest comic in the world. I'm just saying people that don't want to open up their minds at least to be like, all right, we're at a comedy show. I don't have time for that. Well, what is it usually the problem? Like they don't like religious jokes or? Um... Uh, it's not always religious. I mean, it's uh, I don't do a ton of religious jokes, but uh, just. Uh, people don't want to think there a lot, you know? And I'm not saying, like, I'm splitting the atom and I'm, like, you know, making these huge social commentaries and stuff, but, you know, if, if you're not if you're not dumbing it down sometimes, sometimes the crowds aren't just going to be into it, you know? Right. Which there's a lot of... There's crowds like that in every state, though. I mean, I've traveled enough to where it's not just... It's not just uh, particular to Florida, you know? It's, it's like that everywhere. But I think that... Um, I think that there's... Like in California, you're like, oh, man, you go to San Francisco, it's so fun, or San Diego, or whatever. You go even Sacramento, or like, and even in Texas, you're like, Austin, oh, it's such a progressive city. And yeah. There's no city like that in Florida. Where you're like, oh, it's a really progressive city, and the people... Really? People think, yeah, no. But there's major cities. I mean, I liked performing there, though. I liked, I loved performing in Miami and Fort Lauderdale and West Palm areas. I had fun there. I, I enjoyed going to Tampa or Orlando, and even... Yeah, Jacksonville to some degree, but you could feel the difference in the crowds there. But I didn't care. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like you know. I just did what I did. I was surprised how religious Jacksonville was. Yeah, Jacksonville's basically Georgia. Yeah, for all purposes, I mean it's almost in Georgia. Like less than a half a half an hour, right? I mean it borders almost up into the state. Yeah, yeah. And Tim Tebow, um, yeah, somewhat controversial. Seemed like a very nice guy, but very religious guy. Boy, I'm sure he's a nice guy. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's not very smart. I don't think, but but he's extremely religious, and uh, they love that guy in that area. Love Holy him, yeah. Christ! I yeah, mean, yeah, Jesus. Exactly, he said all the right words. Yeah, <laughs> yes. yeah they love him there. But whatever. He's. He, I guess he's gonna try and try and make a team again or something. I was reading some article. Again, I think it's like give it unless you're gonna become a tight end. Just give it up. You're not gonna be a quarterback. You're I not. think he's very athletic. I don't think quarterback is very athletic. Yeah, no, there's no denying his athleticism and his his strength. And, yeah, but he's not a quarterback. He's not even close to a quarterback. He just they had a. I'm a Broncos fan. And I can tell you this as a Broncos fan. I was like he just everything broke right for him in those wins. Mainly the defense. I forgot <laughs> he played one year for Denver Broncos. Yeah, they yeah. went to the playoffs. I won a playoff game against they the Steelers. Beat Pittsburgh Steelers. But everything in those wins broke right, and it was mainly the defense and the kicker. And then the end, they're like, Tim Tebow. And I was like, no, nah, it wasn't really. Oh, check out. He kind of shit the bed. It made me laugh. <laughs> Some people are mad that when they trade uh, for Peyton Manning and they yeah, got rid of Tebow. people. <laughs> <laughs> really, really stupid people, which maybe coincides with religious. I'm not trying to make any comments. But yeah. Yeah. It's the son of God as a football player. So when you moved, why did you make a decision to move to L.A. a year ago? Because I was just on the road constantly, and I just looked at it and thought, this is what I'm going to do the rest of my life as a comedian unless I move to L.A. Mm -hmm. or New York. But I mean, but L.A. was just more appealing to me as far as weather and my friends and people that were out here and stuff. But, uh, you know, otherwise, because you can be a road. There's nothing wrong with being a road comic. People think, say bad things about that. Yeah. But I was just on the road all the well, time. Well, Russell Peters is a road comic. <laughs> he's doing fine. <laughs> he's yeah. doing fine. I think he's but, doing all right. Yeah, I think he's going to make it. And uh, 
he's not looking for his grocery money. But uh, I, but he's still in L.A. though, Russell Peters. Yeah. And because he, I'm sure he wants to do other stuff that you can do. And I mean, he's on Last Comic Standing this sure. season. If he didn't live in L.A., let's say, he probably he might not be on Last Comic Standing. You know what I'm saying? If you didn't have that presence here in L.A., you see him out at the clubs performing or DJing or whatever he's, you know. And uh, so I know a lot that, of people badmouth L.A., but I just think I love L.A. I I love this. Place. No, I've 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 had a great time here the first year. But you have to be here. Yeah. Otherwise, I would be a road comic the rest of my life. And road comics, number one, you don't have a good life expectancy. Your, your, your lifestyle isn't good. You're just in hotels all the time. And I think it just becomes a sad existence, not because of your comedy, but because of just your lifestyle. And then you, you don't have you don't have any stability. And I've still been on the road a lot this first year. I've been out here, but I'm, I'm starting to wind it down. I, I, I think you're absolutely right. Um, yeah. If you're a national headliner, being road comic is a wonderful thing. You know, you, you, sure. you could have a healthy lifestyle. But if you're like beginning or MC or opening act or yeah. featuring act, but it's it's a really and tough the road work I do now that I still do is still great. Like uh, there's a couple comics I like open for Jim Jeffries on the mm -hmm. road. Those are all amazing gigs. Yes, and um, but it's still tiring. Yes, <laughs> it's still yeah. like it's still wear. I don't want to complain like oh because it's it's great. They're theaters and and you know and, and hang out with Jim and everything. And then there's another comic um, Nick Griffin that I do clubs with, but I do like. A-list clubs with him, you know. Yeah. So I do all like the nice clubs, and and then I do my own my own gigs that I do with the clubs I can headline and stuff like that. But it's just it just wears on you, and there's no end in sight. It's there's no like payoff at the end. You're just gonna keep doing that. You might get up to headliners at all the clubs eventually sure. and make some more money, but the payoff of like okay, if you're here and you get a writing gig or you pitch a show idea and you sell it, <clears> you know, or you get a show. It's like I'm older. But like a lot of times get, they want people to host a show. They're like in their 20s early. But sure. I'm older than that. But I still have like some angles and ideas and things that I think that are unique. And, and I, that's going to happen here, but it's going to happen anywhere. It's not going to happen on the road or in Miami. So. And I've I noticed like podcast helps a lot. Yeah. Sure. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I do. I get lucky enough to do some of the bigger ones sometimes. But I, I didn't. I didn't know what the hell it was. You know, it's funny that I'm hosting one. But. It's surprising that like, people actually listen to it. Like when I did show in Sweden uh, from November through February first last year and early this year, I've had people drive like five hours to come to middle of nowhere in Sweden. Al, Al and I, Al Jackson and I, we do the podcast together. Yeah, we were in Wisconsin oh, a couple months ago. This guy drove from Chicago. We were in Madison, Wisconsin. That's a long drive. That's probably like four or five. It's it's long. Yeah, he just came to see the show. Got some. They bought a shirt for me, and then yeah. just like got in his car and went back to Chicago, and we were like, "Holy shit! Like that's really cool, you know." So. I think the key is like uh, do podcasts, but also do something on TV. And if you're lucky to yeah. be a movie, then I think that's what. Uh, yeah, you got to be visible to people. Yeah, because if because you could do the road and you could kill seven shows in Omaha. Maybe ten people will remember who you are. Yeah, if you're lucky, even if you hand out business cards and whatever, it's like people don't remember. They don't have the time to remember, or they, you know, or they. It kind of reminds me like first year when I start finally buying, renting yeah. porn. Yeah. And when you go into that room, like there's so many thousands of porn. Like, what do you, what do you start? And yeah. what, which one is gonna stick with you? And you like, remember, yeah. There's stuff I have to non-comedy. There's stuff in my daily life that I have to remember. That's very important. From there's stuff I'm supposed to do today that I'm sure I've already forgotten. Mm -hmm. That's my own life. 
So then you like do a show and you expect this. Remember my name. Find me on. Yeah. And people are like, ah, uh, it's not because they don't like you. It's just they forgot. And then they. And let's be uh, be even more blunt. There's so much option for entertainment, not yeah. just stand up comedy. Yeah. Movies. I mean, Jesus Christ, sports. Yeah. So I think it's important to be here. I think it's important. I, you know, the more uh, I don't, the people that are really big, like branded themselves and did specific things. I'm not saying I need to be as big as Russell Peters or. Gabriel Iglesias or, yeah. or 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 Jim Jeffries or someone like that. You know the, these people that are doing theaters and yeah, but I want it to be a little more comfortable. Yeah, for sure. I don't want to have to be like I did today, where I'm balancing my checkbook. Yeah, I know you always have to know what's in your account, but I'm tired of balancing my checkbook to be like, all right, let's see, can I afford to pay? <laughs> yeah, you know, I just want to be like, just pay these bills. I want to get to the point where you just like where you just pay bills on automatic. Payment thing, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? And not worry about it? <laughs> yeah, because you know, they always say, do you want to set this automatically up? I'm like, no. No, because that'd be too dangerous for <laughs> never. me. Never. I've, I've never gone. That's that's my first step. I just figured that out right now. That's my first goal is to be able to set up automatic payment on my bills and not worry about it. Are you, are you, are you, getting, are you getting booked a lot these days? Uh, you have I like do a ton. Of, I'm doing a lot of road work till the end of October or till the beginning of October. Okay, good. Um, but then I'm going to temper it off. I've been, I've been driving Uber and Lyft and stuff here to kind of... Oh yeah, you you mentioned that. So, um, if you're doing Uber, that tells me two things: you're a good driver and you have a nice car. Because I have a car with a lot of miles on it, but it's a 2010 Civic, so it still looks nice. Okay, it's got over 140,000 miles on it. But oh, but if it's 2010, it's practically new. Looks nice. I mean, yeah. there's a there's a ding here, and there's some, but you know, I drive at night a lot, so you can't see that stuff. But well, how does that work? Like, you contact Uber and say you want to be their driver. Yeah, they do a background check and your insurance and everything. They do all these background stuff and then you get to drive for them and everything's app-based it's a cashless system so people request you and then it all gets paid through uber they take us they take a cut they take a 20 percent cut of your rides and then um and then they put the money in your account uh like you drive monday through sunday and then yeah. the following thursday you get the money in your account so all right so you you made a decision to do this so you tell them like okay i'm available from this day this many hours That's no you don't tell them that at all you don't tell them anything with your schedule. You just turn it on when you want to go and you turn it off when you don't. Oh, that's how it works? It's awesome. So let's say I'm going to go do a gig. I'll just drive for a couple hours before the gig and then I'm like, oh, time to go to the gig. Turn it off. Go do my gig. Do my set. Hang out. Network. Socialize. Okay, then, so then, let's say... You, then, you, then it's like one in the morning. Then you and turn you, back on. You go and drive somewhere. So you click on and all of a sudden request. Yeah. They want, they want somebody to drive from Ontario to LAX. And then, um, sure. Then you could say yes or no. Oh, oh, they'll tell. It's okay. There's Uber, there's Lyft, and there's Sidecars. Another one I drive for that nobody knows about. But it's, yeah, uh, each one is different. Some of them you know where you're going. Some yeah. of them you don't know where you're going. Some of them you know how much money you're going to make ahead of time. Some of them you don't. Uber, yeah. you generally don't know where you're going. It just says, hey, there's a request, and it's a mile away. And then you say yes or no, and you take it. But what happens if there's three cars nearby it? Is whoever show up the first to get it? How does that no, work? No, no. Once you accept it, you're locked in with that ride. I see. Yeah. So <clears throat> how many times have you picked up someone? This is now, now you're talking. I always accept. Okay. Because to me, it's like, I don't care where you're going. I'm doing this to make money. So how long, when did you start doing this? I started Uber about a month and a half ago. I started Sidecar months ago, like longer than that. And Lyft, I'm like, I'm approved. I'm just waiting for them to do the final thing. So. Okay, so first time you pick up some someone, what was the circumstance? I'm, I'm curious about this now. Uh, okay, no. The, the first time was normal. It was just weird. 
because you're picking up a stranger in your car. Right. Once you get used to just pulling up to a curb, because they're used to it too. You got to remember that. But they're also like, I'm getting in a stranger's car, you know, but it's, it's weird. But then you just get into a rhythm like anything else. You're like, hey, I'm Forrest. Are you Tim? All right, get in the car. How are you doing? Some people don't like to talk. Some people like to talk. One of the things I like to do is I like to run bits when I'm in the car. But I don't tell them I'm a comedian. Yeah, and yeah. I don't run it like, a, so, hey, I was on the phone the other. You know, I just talk. And I'll, if they like to talk, I'll say shit. And if they start laughing, I'm, it's almost like open mic. I'm like, I just run bits. I'm like, all right, that bits. I'll run it like six, seven times in a row, six different passengers. And then... uh. But almost everything has been pretty cool. You get some really drunk people that are incoherent that you're afraid they're going to throw up in your car or something. But, but, they, but they, they pay you. They already made a credit card thing with Uber, so you don't have to worry about picking No up. cash is exchanged. Right. And they up. don't give you tips, do they? Um, on Lyft and Sidecar, they can add a tip in. Oh, they can. Through the thing they want. And I've had a couple times an Uber people hand me cash. Okay. And you're supposed to say, this is what you say. You're like, oh, no, we don't accept. We're not supposed to accept tips, da, da, da. And every time they've been like, no, 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 I tip. You can yeah. take this. And Uber says if they insist, you know, hey, you earned it, take it. So a couple of times I've gotten some tips. What, so. what was the biggest, uh, what was the most money you made in one trip? Do you remember? Yeah, well, I, I, the, the most money I made in one trip was so far was I was, it was, I was, it was hanging out after a Lady Gaga concert. And oh, uh, this is, so this is the same one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, could tell, yeah. because you were telling me before we were recording. Yeah. Okay, because so most what? of the trips are like, most of them, to be fair, are like $10, $12. Okay. Sometimes, and then you'll get like a $20 one, a $22 one. If you drive someone to the airport, it's usually like $40-something. Right. You know? Um, but so I you would, just happen to be at the concert? No, place? no, no. Like, you'll know. Like, you'll just get to know what things are going on around town. Okay. So, like, Hollywood Bowl. People want you to pick stuff up. I'm at the Hollywood Bowl when it's letting out. I, you don't want to get near there when it's letting out. Yeah. Because it's a nightmare getting in and out of there. Yeah. Staples Center, though, is easy to get in and out of, even yeah. if something's letting out. So, I was like... I was around there, and I, I was picking up rides. I'm like, oh, this concert's probably letting out soon. And sure enough, I get a request at the Sable Center. Pick up this couple, and um, I start to drive. And they get in. They're like, oh, we're going to Newport Beach in Orange County, which is what, about 50 miles? 41 miles yeah. to their place each way. So you don't get paid on the way back. That's the only thing that sucks about those. But still, I knew I was going to make over $100. Yeah. And with a Honda Civic, my gas is going to be like 12 Like, I'd still clear like 80 bucks doing that sure. ride. And it'd only be like an hour and a half total of my time, you know, whatever. But so they get in. I, I, I thought the guy was gay. They talked. They were talking about something like he was gay for mm-hmm. some reason. I don't know if he was or not. That, this is why well, this is Well, Lady Gaga was yeah. likely gay. This is why it's important. You'll understand. Because that's what I thought I said. And then I'm starting to drive. And then we get on the highway. And then the woman, like, very politely, she goes, would you mind terribly if he eats my pussy while you drive? Yeah. I was like, <laughs> And it's funny because, you know, usually as a comic, you have, you're quick with comebacks and things, but I wasn't like, it's like my car. Like, I, you think of it, it's like a ride-sharing service, so you, in your head, you're like, this is a community. You didn't tell her extra this 10 is, bucks? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even say anything. I kind of just turned, turned around, and they were, like, already starting to do it. Like, it wasn't even like, hey, can we? It was like, hey, you, we're going to do this. Just, was she you know. looking? Um, yeah, she was attractive, but they were older, you oh, know, but it wasn't like, it wasn't like, but they were, he was, she was attractive, yeah, it was. But it still was like just uncomfortable because it's like right there. It's in my car. It's strangers. Yeah. And I was like, I didn't know what to, if I said no, was I going to stop on the highway and make him get like, I didn't yeah. even know what. The, so I turned up. To, I was going to turn. She goes, you might want to turn up the music. I'm loud. And I'm like, what well, doesn't you're like right here. Unless I put on noise canceling headphones. It's not going to. Yeah. So. And that it was funny because they started and then there was traffic mm-hmm. and the guy like pops his head up and he goes, what's going on? <laughs> I go, that's some traffic. We <laughs> want to hold off for a minute. 
It was weird. But um, but I, I was saying before, it's like, in the end, you're still a cab. And shit like that happens in cabs, and you and you forget that because you're like, this is a community service of ride sharing, and that, man, it's a fucking cab. How long was it drive? Like an hour? Down there was like, uh, nah, because it's like, it's it's all highway, and it was late at night. Okay. Down there it took about, um, like, probably 45 minutes. And did they live in a nice area? I mean, Newport is really nice. They did, yeah. They live right near the water. I like, see. Yeah, yeah. Like, right off, I forget what the drag is right there, but right, MacArthur Causeway, something to like this, to by the ocean. And then I thought they were going to give me a tip, though. Like, you figured they'd be like, hey, there's. Nah, they just, she just goes, you're, she was asleep by the time I got there. And she wakes up and she goes, you are a very tolerant driver. So she told me. <laughs> And then I was like, fuck, now I'm down here. So I just drove back. I was going to start picking up rides in Newport Beach, but it was like already late. And I was like, I'll just get back. But so, you know, you got to, there's that and drunk people and it's, you're still going to have to deal with that. There's a you never worry about like your safety when you're driving those people? Um, the thing is, is you get, you can see their profile ahead of time. So you can see, see their rating of them too. So I feel like if someone was an that's, asshole. That's another viewer's way of saying no yeah. black people. No, <laughs> there's plenty of black people. I picked them. No, I, uh, there's nothing. What are do they, they tell you? Do, what do, are they going to do though? What are they going to rob from you? There's no, no money. But, you know what I'm saying? Sure, but do they tell you where where you have to drive them to? Because that's yeah. a factor in whether you want to take it. That's the thing about Uber is you don't know until they get in the car. Oh, you don't? No. no once in a while they can put in, but yeah, you're not. You don't know. With the other ones, they can they can tell you ahead of time on the app. Because I don't know if I want to drive to I don't know uh, certain parts of East LA in three or four in the morning or. Yeah, but I don't think those people are using Uber. That's true. Yeah. And I don't mean those people. I just mean people that live in those areas. <laughs> yes. so, so, yeah. I, I think Uber is, I mean, it's, I mean, the majority of your rides you get, honestly, is you're getting in the Hollywood area and you're staying within the Hollywood or Santa Monica area yeah. or Los Feliz or Silver Lake back and forth. Sure. Like, I always hang out in West Hollywood because there's, like, obviously, it's a huge gay area and there's a lot of bars there and stuff. Sure. But... Uh, they, they there's a lot of bar hopping that goes on across town so i'll just i drive a lot of a lot of gay dudes so i'll just drive from bar to bar or whatever and then um another big thing is you're going to or from the valley which are great because if people are in hollywood and they're going back to like studio city or yeah. sherman oaks or something like that 25 30 bucks and then when you get over there if it's right time friday night then people are like yeah they're going out and they're coming in the hollywood and you I can see. just go back and forth and make 25 30 bucks a, 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 pop, a pop and then you know five hours later next thing you know you made like 250 bucks or something like that yeah, so, so you know, five. So you're making fifty bucks an hour. You, generally, you'll make between thirty and forty dollars an hour on a weekend night. I think, um, God, you should write a blog or something. That'd be interesting. All the interesting people you pick up. Yeah, but most of them are just drunk. Most of them, no, I wouldn't say most of them are boring. It's just some of it's like very nuanced. It's, it wouldn't I don't know if it make interesting. I see, one. but it's very interesting people. Like you know, I pick you pick up people that are traveling, or you pick up people that are. There's drunk people, but sometimes, a lot of times, drunk people are awake. Like, I, I picked up this drunk. It was three of them, and they were all Korean. And I picked them up from his restaurant. Yeah. One, no, one was in fashion, and I don't know what the other two did. One was really drunk, and the one and one in the front seat was just yelling in Korean. And then every time, every once in a while, she'd stop, and she'd be like, like, kind of, she spoke English, not great English, but she was like, my friend at the bar is... She's like, we don't like her or something. Yeah. Not we don't like her. We're talking shit about her kind of shit. And I was like, okay. And then she'd be like, it's like yelling in Korean again. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like a lot of that kind of stuff. And, you know, you just, sometimes people don't want to talk at all. You kind of gauge it. You're like, eh, this person doesn't want to. You say, how you doing? They're like, eh. And you're like, all right, let's see. Let's take you where you're going. You never, have you ever picked up anyone famous on it? No. Um, 
Not that I know. Sometimes, I, sometimes I've driven, end up driving. There was one person that I thought might have been an actress. It was like picked him up from near the Hollywood Bowl, and it, once I dropped him off, it was this really nice neighborhood in Los Feliz where I used to live. Yeah, and I, I thought that might have been a famous actress afterwards. And the house was like this badass house, and it, right. it, it, I'm sure I've dropped off people in nice areas where they're producers for sure, like sure. music producers or film or, but nobody famous. I picked up one comedian, Matt Brogner. You know Matt. No. Oh, well he's. He, I think he started up in Portland, actually, not Seattle. Yeah, but he's been down here for like I think twelve years. So did I know. He, did I, he recognize you? I, yeah, I know him. I, we did a comedy festival together. That's so funny. Yeah, yeah. I picked him up at this um place in Los Feliz, and it said it said Matt, and then I go and I see him getting in the car, and I'm like, uh. So you're not you're not embarrassed, but it's kind of weird. I'm just like. Did he know right away it was you? Yeah, I said, oh. hey Matt. He goes, hey, what's up? How you doing? And I go, oh, and then yeah. You almost because it's like you're friends with the person. You would be like, oh, I'm not going to try you. But then, you, you know, they don't care. They're going to take the Uber anyway. So they're going to give the money to someone at least that they know. I, 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 whoever came up with this idea is, is brilliant. And I know who's mad at is those taxi. They hate it. Yeah, there's 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 plenty of cases where they're trying to sue. Suing, no, but people have been attacked verbally or potentially physically, like drivers of Lyft, especially with the pink mustaches. People identify them. So you have to be. <laughs> You have to be careful because I can see when I'm driving around people that are driving for Uber or Lyft because there's always a phone mounted here with a map. Oh, really? I always I notice it because I know what I'm looking for. So if I can see it, I know these taxi cab drivers can find it. But you know what? Their system's broken and old, and they yes. didn't they 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 needed to do something like this years ago. Just making an app would have helped. Now they're starting to come up with apps like they have an app called Flywheel, which is in. I'm in, I'm in all for it. yeah. I, I'm all for breaking old traditions like sure that. yeah. That, I, t- I had to take a cab a month ago from LAX because I had no other options because you can't really. It's harder to get them to get p- picked up at LAX. It's technically illegal with Uber. You can drop off there, but you can't pick up. It's like one of the lobbyist things they have. So I took you should have cab- called me if I'm on the run. I don't mind picking you up. All right, yeah. Well, that, one of the one of the cabs, the cab I took, it was a terrible experience. It was like a month ago, and I was like, this is why no one takes this anymore. Like for numerous reasons, it was a terrible experience. And then even the even down to the very end, what you're paying, and then the tip, and then the receipt, and can I get a receipt? And they just hand you a piece of paper. You got to fill out. Yeah. You got a thing. You got an email with a inventory inventoried receipt. You don't have to tip or anything. You know. I like the fact that it's fixed rate too. So you know ahead of time how much you're going to end up paying for it too, right? Not always. Um, oh, it's not like right? sidecar and Lyft. You do um, Uber. You don't always know, but you have an idea. They're they're constantly adjusting the prices, but it's cheaper than a cab. Right. It's never. It's never more even the same. It's always cheaper. And I think I think that's what people like, feeling like they're not getting ripped off. Yeah, because it's all automated through a, a computer. And y- you can either have them do the GPS or you can tell them. Or, right. Yeah, it's, yeah. There's never any of that, like, where you're like, hey, go this, and the cab's like, and they don't listen. You're just like, oh, okay, I'll go whatever way you want to go or whatever, you know. Hey, uh, let's finish up by, uh, right. did, didn't you tell me you're an expert in sports betting, too? Expert? No, I was a compulsive gambler. I don't know if you call that an expert, but yeah. How long have you been doing sports betting? Uh, I mean, I haven't been sports betting for oh. for you know over a decade now, but uh, but I was because for, you were doing it heavily. Yeah, then? yeah, yeah. I, was, I went to Gamblers Anonymous. I still I don't go to as many meetings as I used to, but it's still something I'm a part of. And then and I I wait. Is sports betting legal in Florida? No, I did everything there. Well. You could go on some of these sh- boats that go offshore, and you could gamble on those for like three or four hours. But everything I did there was like through illegal bookmakers or online. How does that work, man? Because do you, you call up a guy and you're like, "Hey, what are the lines?" And, and they goes, always keep their word when you win something. And uh, I mean, uh, sure, because mo- most of the time you don't win because you just keep betting. If you're compulsive, you just keep betting till you lose. I see. 
you, even if you win, you never collect it because you just want to be in the action. What's 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 some of your biggest win? I don't. I mean, individual bets. I don't know. Maybe like five thousand or six thousand oh or something like that. God. But, but and, the bigger losses because you're always going bigger. You know. And and what was what were you some if you don't mind some of your bigger losses? This is the thing is like I I would never have like one bet in so but I mean I. There would there would be times when I was up like tens of thousands of dollars, and yeah. then that would all be gone, and I would be negative ten thousand dollars or so within a six day period, let's say. So how that that much action, that much betting was going on? Because that was never like one game. That's not a compulsive gambler. You're like every game. I'm betting on this, and I'm going to do this, and do a parlay and a teaser and all this other crap. But how did you how did you, how did you get in? Somebody had to introduce you to Booker, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Once you're once you're in gambling, it's like being a drug addict. Mm-hmm. How does a drug? How does a person that's addicted to crack find a crack dealer? Well, they ask around. They're fucking. They're well, how did it start for you? I mean, how did I start with a bookie or gambling? Just uh, just sports betting in general. I started in college, but I was I remember playing like cards when I was a kid with my grandfather, mm-hmm. and it was like for pennies and matchsticks. And I remember that being very very important to me to win the matchsticks and yeah. the pennies because it was already in my head then that that was like this addiction to that but then when i was on my way out of college the last couple years i started betting sports and i just got in trouble immediately started owing money um you know bookies started you know dodging them trying to figure out ways to you know do shit illegal to get the money and stuff like that and then it just became bigger and bigger and bigger until then when i went back to miami and i got my job as a biologist and i was doing that I, i own property and I was like at banks refinancing and remortgaging uh, selling the title to my car you know like Holy so, fuck. yeah selling drugs getting drugs fronted to me to sell and then taking the money that I was supposed to give back to a drug dealer and gambling that and losing that like to that effect how <laughs> did you how did you pay those guys off because they're they came after you after this that. is the th- I, I can tell you some ways there's other ways I have absolutely no recollection of how I got out of it or how mm-hmm. I paid it because it was such a it it was such a blur of, I mean, I, I, I could tell you a lot, but I mean, it was such a blur of just, of a time period of me of just, you're constantly backpedaling and defensive and you're doing one of two things. You're trying to keep the person yeah. away from you that's trying to get the money from you in a either violent or nonviolent manner. And at the same time, you're trying to find money and other ways to continue being in action. Because it's just the same way with drugs and alcohol and stuff like that. But the other caveat it is if there's money involved. Like if you're an alcoholic, it's like you get the booze, you drink it, you're drunk. You don't owe someone money still. But when you're gambling, you gamble, you lose the money, you owe someone money. Now you're still trying to bet, but you're owing someone the money. I know it's not the same thing, but yeah. I think it's the same part of the brain. It's, it's, it's exact same. It's, yeah. it's, um, I was talking to one of my friends last night, and, and um, we were talking about a scenario where option one, you could be with this super hot, uh, Victoria's Secret model for the rest of your life or you could be with hundreds of other above average looking girls slash hookers or whatever yeah. I already know myself enough it's going to be the hookers thing because it's it's that first time when you see a girl completely naked yeah. it's something does to my head it's not even like the sex thing but like you know and I'm sure after a while, it's not even money thing with gamblers like that fucking that high and excitement, taking a chance and risk and you know, yeah. Because I have a couple of friends and like gamblers too, and like that craziness. I mean, I don't do gambling. I mean, I'm scared of it, so yeah. I never got into it. But uh, well, 
I have to admit, I do a little bit of sports betting just for fun. Less than 100 bucks every yeah. time I go to Vegas because there's nothing like watching sports when you have a money on it. It doesn't matter. It's, it's so much more fun to watch it. Yeah, well, for you. For, for me. me, it was just, yeah. Because it was, it was a fun it, thing. It was just a, it was a, it was a compulsion. It was a casual thing for me. Yeah. <clears throat> but I could tell in that big room in Vegas, sports betting, man, some of those guys going, losing their mind. Like, euphoria and the ones losing, it just, just rage, you know? And, yeah, because uh, they're, their whole lives depend, you know, they're, yeah. they've gotten to the point where it's, it's running their life. And, and you, and, and it's, a, it's almost, and in some cases might be a life or death, you know, like, you know, cause they might, people might come after you, come yeah. after you might kill yourself. I yeah. mean, the people are suicidal from that, you know, or you might end up in jail or something like that. That's what they always say with any addiction, but especially with gambling, you're going to either end up in so you, jail, dead mm, or insane. You know? So you quit 10 years ago, 2000, uh, 2001. Yeah. And, um, so how did you manage to do that? Because I know it's very, very difficult. Um, it was, uh, no, 2002, sorry. <laughs> I went into GA in 2001. Gamblers Anonymous, I'm sorry, it's called Gamblers Anonymous. Mm-hmm. That's how it stopped. I mean, everything else I did before that was I was trying to do, and then, you know, I started going to meetings. <clears throat> started with a support group, and yeah. then just kind of followed suggestions and things that were given to me, like I had to not have control of any money. Right. <clears throat> I'm not married. So my mom had to get my paychecks. I had to deposit my paychecks in my mom's account. Yeah. So that she could help me pay my bills and stuff like that. And yeah. I wouldn't have access to any of my money. Which I was already an adult. So it's like that's fun. Yeah. And <laughs> so there's a lot of humbling experience like that. I did that for over I my mom had control of my money for almost two years. So <clears throat> and then I was able to cut off. I mean, you could still find money in ways to gamble, but in that, in that respect, I was able to stem the tide and then I was to be able to get my head in the right place and right. put the right parameters in place to prevent me. Were, were you doing stand-up comedy by then? No. And I have to say, there, there's a lot of unhealthy lifestyle with comedians. Yeah. I mean, it, look at me now. I'm, like, I'm, I'm, I fluctuate in my weight. You probably mm-hmm. see me in different, but I'm like, I'm like just, I still have addictive personality traits. Right now, it's like <clears throat> always everything manifests in food now because I'm not really doing drugs anymore. Occasionally, I'll smoke some pot. Yeah, um, I drink, but I I don't really even drink that. It's like you know, it's so it's always that's always manifesting in something. It's bad with stand-up comedy because you you work late at night. They give you free drinks and food all the time, constantly. Bad food, too. Yeah. Bad food, yeah, and. Um, um. Well, you know what? I, I think I. Th- I'm sorry. I, I think I kind of dragged you long. That's fine, man. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Um, but um, thank thanks for doing the show. I, I mean, I, I, God, I didn't. That's a weird way to end it. We're like no, no, sad <laughs> comedians, food, anyways. No, but I mean, <laughs> hope you guys I, have a good day. I I, 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 I have to say, like, I didn't even know that you had that problem until you kind of mentioned it the last couple of times. Yeah, kind of mentioned it. I've talked about it before, you know. But I, but yeah, it's. It's, it'd be for me. You seem to have a good um, humor about it and uh, put it out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was dark then, you know. But uh, I mean, I could talk about that for like, like as long as we've talked about everything else. So you know, that that's why I wasn't trying to go in because I know you were going near the end. I was like, I was kind of going on. Oh no, I I don't mind doing it longer. Just I wasn't sure what your time frame. But um, well, no, I mean that's what I was saying. Maybe the maybe. 
Maybe we'll save that for another time. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I I am curious. Um, because yeah. I do. I need. I, I don't even. I just looked at the thing. I do need to. Yeah, I've been talking good. for a while. It's been fun though, so I'm not even mad. I'm just saying, like, I, if I start talking about that, that's like another whole. World I'm gonna uh, put this up coming Monday. So do you, do you have any shows coming up that people should come and see you? Um, well, yeah. So it's coming up next this Monday coming up. Yeah. Oh, so for uh this weekend. The August sixth uh, or, or seventh through the tenth, I'll be in San Jose, California, Rooster Tea Feathers. Oh, okay, cool. You know that club? Who are you uh, working with? I'll be there with Nick Griffin. I mentioned okay. him earlier. I do it, and so that'll be. A fun I think Nick did Litterman, right? He's done it ten times. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll probably do it again before he bows out. Um, he's really funny. He's he's a headliner. I'll be middling, so I'll be that Rooster Tea Feathers, and then um. Uh, yeah, the, 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 I'm doing a bunch of stuff in the summer. I'm going to be in Indiana. I'm going to be in Wisconsin. I'm going to be back in Miami. I'm going to be in Omaha. I'm going to be in Cincinnati. But my website is forestshaw.net. It's F-O-R-R-E-S-T, two R's, S-H-A-W.net. All my dates are on there. And talk about Al Jackson's show um, and you, uh, podcast. Yes, and I was, I was about to say that. Yeah, and then Al Jackson and I do a podcast called the What's What Podcast. And it's at whatswhatpod.com or at whatswhatpod.com on Twitter, and it's also on iTunes at What's What Podcast. We had a bunch of episodes that we uh, we talked about earlier, I did with Ernie, and then we just, we took a short hiatus, and we're just putting the new ones up right now. We That's did, cool. So so we, there's fresh new ones up there. And, and um, yeah. I love uh, seeing you guys work, you and Al, because um, there's a lot of fun fun conversation, but oh, a yeah, little yeah, bit yeah. about t- trash talking sometimes. Yeah, 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 yeah. We trash talk each other constantly <clears throat> and make fun of each other and then kind of bring it together and focus too. So it's, it's fun. People like the banter between us. Yeah, so. and are you, um, um, are you working on another project, like writing a script or acting? Um, or? Well, uh, there's a, I did a web series with uh, me and my friend John Wynn, who's another comic, and I wrote it and acted, I wrote it with him and acted in it. He created it. It's called Labor Days. That's online right now. If you go into YouTube, there's a labordays.tv is a channel. Okay. And we did seven episodes, won some awards in LA Web Fest and things like that. Uh, and uh, coming up, I think by the end of September, we'll have the animated version of it. Awesome. We did three episodes animated, and that's the third one is being animated right now, so it would take some time. But if you go to labordays.tv is a website, you can see all the episodes up there and check that out, and then and we'll have the animated stuff coming up soon. Cool. Yeah. And uh, you work still a lot with Jim Jeffries. Yeah, I opened for Jim Jeffries uh, a lot on the road too. I just did a bunch of dates with him from, from March to now. Uh, I will be doing those will be on my calendar too in September. I'm doing Columbus, Cincinnati, Columbus, Cleveland. I think it's September 11th, 12th, and 13th. So if you're in Ohio, we talked about you guys, Cincinnati, Columbus, or, or Cleveland, look it up. Jim Jeffries day streaming tour. I'll be opening for him. I'm sure there's, I'm not sure he sells out a lot of shows, but that there, there's, there's probably um, at least a few tickets left for those shows. And he's awesome. If you, if you don't know, Jim yeah. Jeffries, he's brilliant. So you should go see him. And uh, I think there's some other dates I'm doing with them, but those are again will all be on my website. I think right now I have to the end of August my website, but I'm always constantly. Do you there. ever go overseas with him? I haven't. He's in England right now. He just he flew to London yesterday. Oh, okay. Or today or something like that. So and you know he's he was they spent a lot of time there. So there's a lot of comics he knows over there that I'm, he works with, and same thing with Australia. But at some point I'd like to go to Australia and see it and do shows down there. And you're gonna go see Bill Bird today? Uh, yeah, I think I'm gonna. Go see Bill Burr at, at pretty sure at the Comedy Magic Club. He's doing a he's doing a benefit down there. Well, everyone follow Forrest because he's a funny guy and uh, he worked with the very best because they know he's a very funny guy. And check out the podcast and uh, 
Yeah, um, hopefully uh, we'll talk more about sp- sports betting and stuff. I know, like it was that. hilarious today. So that was fine. I was like, I don't know, there's not a lot of laughs. <laughs>, <laughs> I don't, I, I, I'm more. It's fine, I'm okay yeah, with the laughs. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I don't know, I'm just. I'm fine Debbie with Downer, it. I guess. I just I'm fine like, with it, yeah. But uh, enjoy talking to you about sports. And Forrest, um, uh, thanks for doing it. I'll, I'll talk to you soon. And uh, good luck with uh, all the shows. And say hi to Bill and uh, Jim for me. I will. Thanks for having me on. All right. Thanks, guys. And thanks for listening. And I'll talk to you guys soon. Bye.